0: to a special segment I like to call Cat on the CW. I like that. Welcome, Catherine Burke.
1: Hi. How are you? you. I'm, I'm good. How are you, Chris yeah. Cox?
0: I'm pretty good. I'm ready to talk about some shows I haven't seen and one show I have seen. With you. <laughs> All shows on the CW that have their Blu-ray releases either last week or this week. Uh, and I know you, in particular, follow a lot of these shows that I haven't seen. And let's yeah. just jump right into it. The fact is... I never got past the first season of the Vampire Diaries. I
1: thought you watched at least the second one too. No, I, I didn't
0: hate it. I was like, it's all right. It just didn't make the cut for me personally. You I have was to. Like,
1: you have to say you have so much time. Yeah, and, and any
0: show that's prioritize. 22, 23 episodes a season, yeah. has to be just blow my socks off yeah. for me to keep watching it. Uh, but you, in fact, are a fan.
1: I, I am a fan, and I've 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 kept going season at, after season.
0: We're at season five. Holy crap.
1: Yes, this is season five. I I was trying to, I was trying to think like, wait a minute, which one is this that we're coming up on? (laughs) Which one was just finished? And
0: I was really kind of startled because no one I really knew was, seemed to be excitedly talking about this show, but apparently it's got a massive fan base.
1: Oh, it has an amazing, huge fan base. In fact, I think it is the CW's highest rated show. Good lord. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was actually, I watched a, I actually liked better than The Vampire Diaries. It was a show on the Lifetime Network with witches.
1: Oh, oh, the Witches of East End? Yeah. Oh, it's better than any has any right to be. Yeah, like, I was like,
0: wow, this is actually pretty good. Yeah. It's soapy, but it's fun.
1: I, I started watching it last year. Um, I made the jack-o'-lantern pinata for um, the big Halloween party last year and I just, I needed something that I wasn't going to have to change the channel on <laughs> yeah. because, you know, your hands are all covered in glue and paste and stuff. So I started, I they were marathoning it or something on Lifetime and I was like, oh, let's just, that, it's Halloween-ish, why not? <laughs> and... I just kind of got sucked into it. I was like, this is not half bad. And then, you know, then I finished making the piñata and yeah. I ran out of the episodes that they had run so far. And I didn't come back to it until I found it on, I think it was Hulu or Netflix, one right. of the two. And then I finished off the season. And I was like, that was actually pretty good. I kind
0: of enjoyed that. And I think for me, I stuck with it because... It had a sense of humor about itself that I always felt the Vampire Diaries lacked. It's yeah. So, vampire Diaries is so serious it, about everything. It does take
1: itself very seriously, <laughs> but at the same time, that kind of lends it that melodramatic feel that yeah. it's like, I mean, it's teen angsty. <laughs> like, it, 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 that is what it is. So and tell us so, what's going
0: on this season. What's um, what's ha- What has yeah. happened? Is the main girl, what's the main girl's name? Elena. Oh, is she a vampire yet?
1: Oh, she turned into a vampire beginning of season... Or end of season three. She's been a vampire, like, all through season four. And now, during season five, what we found out... Okay, I'm going to try, try to give some information without getting too detailed here off into the weeds. Um, and spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen season five of The Vampire. Yeah, Wars. I'm going to
0: post this with their spoilers yeah, for all these yeah. three seasons. Of
1: um, at the end of season four, we find out that Elena is not the only doppelganger out there. Stefan is a doppelganger as well.
0: What is a doppelganger?
1: Um, the doppelganger, do you remember Catherine? Like, because you watched that whole first season. Yeah, so it's her double. Like, So now there are other characters
0: that have doubles, too.
1: Well, only Stefan, it turns out. Yeah, because part of the whole crux of the entire storyline is that Elena is the doppelganger of Catherine, Katerina Petrova, who... Stefan and Damon had fallen in love with in 1864, and she's the one who turned them into vampires. And the reason that Stefan is like, he sees Elena, oh my God, she looks exactly like Catherine. What's going on here? Very quickly, it's revealed. She is a doppelganger. There are are Petrova doppelgangers throughout history. We know that there's something magical about her. Well, it turns out that Stefan is also a doppelganger, and his doppelganger shows up um, it turns out that, spoiler for season four, um, the big bat of season four, um, I'm trying to remember his name. It'll come to me in like 30 seconds. Um, it, Silas. We didn't know much about Silas. He was trying to be resurrected all through season four. And when he's finally resurrected and shows his true form, cause he can take on a whole lot of different forms, you know, like what are the, he's like a shape shifting kind of, you know, As you can, do. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it turns out his true form is, it looks exactly like Stefan. Okay. So, oh my gosh, there are two doppelgangers. And the first section of season five explains the whole thing with the doppelganger. So, lots
0: of going back in time, flashback episodes. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And which I personally, I love a good flashback. Like, backstory for me is like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me more, give me more. (laughs) And. The problem with season five, now, Chris, you know me, mm-hmm. you know that I am so forgiving of television shows in general. Well, that's,
0: you do and, watch the Vampire Diaries. And, so. Yeah, and ones that I
1: love in particular, okay? <laughs> yeah. Season five fucking sucked. Oh, no. I, I hate to say like,
0: it. I mean, like, have, do you, did you feel that any of the other seasons were bad so far up until this um, point?
1: I felt that its strongest was season three, uh-huh. Um, and season four, you know, had its... its Good points. It wasn't terrible, but season five, I was like, guys, what are you doing? So is this because
0: of bad plot decisions or boring episodes? Well,
1: I think what happened was the seasons one through four had been very much character driven. This is not a monster of the week television show, like Supernatural or like X-Files type, a lot of these genre shows tend to be like, you have an overarching storyline, but you also have a monster of the week that never happens in the vampire diaries. There is never a, an episode specific little plot thing that, that only stands with that episode. It is always a continuing story that up until this point has been character driven Okay, and this season it became plot driven. And the problem is that we have multiple plots that don't come together and pay off until, like, the last two episodes. So you've got, like, a 22, 23 episode season where you're like, what the hell is going on for, like, the entire season? And then in the last two, three episodes, you're like, oh, okay, I, I see where you were going with this. It might hold up better on a rewatch. Um, I rewatched a couple of the episodes in prep for our conversation today, but they were late episodes in the season because that's what was available to me, um, on Hulu. And, um, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I remember this. I remember that. Now I see where they were going, but we have like these three kind of plot arcs. We have that whole explaining the doppelgangers, Yeah. but we wrap that up within like five, six episodes. And
0: then after that, it's all like, and and it sounds to me like they have an end point in mind and they're like, we are a popular show and we don't this, want to end it that soon, so yeah. let's create some stuff well, to stretch it season, out. this season,
1: they had an endpoint in mind. And yeah. when you get to that endpoint, you're like, oh, okay, I see where you were going. So we had the, the doppelganger storyline.
0: Well, I mean, a, I mean, a, have a, a, a character-based endpoint is what I'm saying. So I think that maybe uh, they're going, about that. maybe they're going, well, we kind of want to go here with these characters, but then we don't know what, what we would do after that, so let's just create a season where we can stretch it out with a bunch of new
1: Possibly, stuff. Yeah. quite possibly. Um,
0: Does it feel forced?
1: At times, yes. Yeah. Um, are there new characters there are, that are brought? Yeah, in? yeah. Because what happened was this season, we had the 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 kind of lifting up and over of all the characters. We'll talk about when we get to the originals. You've basically taken a fairly substantial cast and split it in
0: Oh, so one
1: third and two thirds. With the basically. other show, they
0: kind of those characters left.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see, they I didn't realize they, that. they took them all and moved them to New Orleans. Ah,
0: oh, I see. And
1: What happened was, I think part of it was that the originals had become some of, they had, they were extremely powerful characters, like, like, supernaturally. They basically couldn't be killed. And it had kind of created a bit of a power imbalance that I think was a little bit hard to deal with storyline wise. So that was one reason to like, kind don't of. remove and do your show. We don't want you here anymore. Um, and another reason I think was that to me, I was like, Oh, good. Now we have a chance to explore more of our original characters, not the originals, but like, yeah. you know, Stefan, Damon, Elena and, um, Bonnie and, um, just everybody who was in the original cast. Like, okay, let's bring it back in. Let's focus on them. But, I think the problem was that when you removed the originals, who were both protagonists and antagonists at the same time in the Vampire Diaries storyline, it kind of left a void. Yeah. And I think that they weren't quite sure how to fill that, so they filled it with plots instead of with character development. Mm. And I think that made for a very weak season, especially considering, like I said, we had the doppelganger plotline. We had a plot line involving, um, scientists who were trying to figure out how to stop vampires, um, via like creating viruses and things. Oh, and it turns out one of them was Elena's dad. Like, why did you do that? Like, it made no sense. It didn't make any sense for her character development wise. Her father is not somebody who had played a role. Like he was dead before the seasons started, before the whole show started. It was part of her backstory. Mm Um, and then we have the storyline of the travelers who are another type of magic user um, and they are trying to get up they're, they're trying to find a place to settle down and break the spell that the witches put on them that meant that they can't settle down and and, and and so we've got that and then at the same time them trying to break the spell is destroying the quote unquote the other side which is where all the supernatural creatures go when they die ah. And so each of these kind Supernatural of...
0: Supernatural creatures have their own afterlife?
1: Basically, yeah. It's kind of this like midway purgatory type place. Okay. Um, and uh, occasionally somebody will go and come back. But it's more of a communication with the other side that usually happens. Um, when, when it's happening, it's a communication thing. It's not usually a traveling back and forth. But Fair this enough. season we get some traveling back and forth. <laughs> uh, we've got a whole lot of plot threads here that... It's too much. There's just too much going on, and it loses its focus. Uh, like I said, it might hold up better on a rewatching once you know where they're going. But there are still ridiculous things that but they you just. Wa-
0: you watch the show because you like the watching weeds. the relationships between these characters, evolve. Yeah. all. Yeah, and I like I
1: like to watch the character development. Which we've had up until this point. This season, there wasn't a heck of a whole lot of character development.
0: Well, if you do get this season, the Blu-ray set comes with the 31-minute 2013 Comic-Con panel uh, with the cast. Uh, There's a feature called I Know What You Did in the Last Hundred Episodes where members of the cast and crew share their favorite um, moments from the first hundred episodes. Uh to the other side and back, which is uh takes a look at the other side, yeah, uh, you know, as you were just talking about, as well as a day in the afterlife where uh Cat Graham, who plays Bonnie Bennett, leads viewers on a behind the scenes tour of the production. uh there's a bunch of deleted scenes and a gag reel. Yeah. But let's move on to the next title we've got, which is pretty much just the accompanying title to this one, which is the first season of the spin-off show for The Vampire Diaries, The Original.
1: Yes. Yeah. Which... Was my favorite, aside from Rain, which we ever get, a, if we ever get a chance to talk about, <laughs> like, this and Rain were my two favorite CW shows this Good
0: year. Lord, really. So this is yeah. really a good spinoff. This
1: is amazing. Um, They've taken, it's like, this is all of the really good aspects of storytelling that they were doing on The Vampire Diaries, just with those characters moved to a different location. So,
0: if you had never watched The Vampire Diaries, could you just start watching the originals?
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah, you definitely could. Because so, what they do... Yeah,
0: in that vein... What's it about, so it's, to speak?
1: Okay, so you know how the, these TV shows, various shows, keep trying to do this, like, three factions of supernatural creatures in a city, yeah. all vying for control. This is the first time I've seen it done well. Okay. And so what's happened is um, that Klaus and the the Michaelsons, um Klaus and uh, his sister Rebecca and their brother Elijah have all gone back to New Orleans, which was a place that they had lived in the past. And they had built up kind of um, like a, not really a mafia, but like an underground, because just by virtue of being supernatural creatures, they had like built up this um, like supernatural society. There was a balance of power between the vampires, the werewolves and the witches who live there. And they had kind of like, they had set up the city, they had left for reasons I'm not going to tell because it's a, actually a pretty good like plot point kind of thing. Fair enough. Um and now they're back. They've gone back because Klaus realized that his protégé has taken control of the city and he's like, "Oh no, no, no. This is my city." Like, "You're an average ordinary vampire. I made you a vampire." and you've overstepped your your bounds here. I want my city back. Right. And so it's basically the story of Klaus gaining control back from his protégé, um the relationship that they have with the witches who live there and um
0: so they're werewolves and stuff like that yeah too? the
1: werewolves are out like living in the bayou so This sounds
0: like world of darkness
1: oh yeah it's very world of darkness okay um it seems like the,
0: everything since world of darkness has been influenced that world by has it has been just like okay yeah. that's our rule set yeah. We're just sticking with that
1: um <laughs> and the thing one of the things that i like that they're doing and that they they also were doing on the Vampire Diaries with the travelers. They're exploring a different type of magic because the witches that we know in the Vampire Diaries do like a spirit magic, mm-hmm. like connecting with the spirits to draw on their power. The travelers that I mentioned in a, the previous discussion draw, that they, they do blood magic. Um, and then we have the witches who live in New Orleans who do ancestor worship type magic. Okay. Because, you know, influenced by voodoo sure, you know, sure. traditions and that sort of thing. Um, and cause that's the question is like you, you know, when you first, Enter the storyline, it's like, oh, um, I can't remember his name, Klaus's protege, it'll come to me in a second. Like, he's basically got the witches under his thumb, and they can't, like, none of them can practice magic without him knowing about it. Like, he's got a, some way of knowing. And your first thought is, well, why don't they just leave right. and do magic somewhere else? Because if they leave there... Then their magic goes away. They're not in touch with their ancestors because yeah, because all of their ancestors are like in the cemeteries there, and they have to have access to that.
0: But it sounds like kind of um, a catch twenty two because they can't even do magic there. Yeah, really, unless it's something well, so the vampire the, guy to the
1: do. Yeah, exactly. And then the question is, well, why can't they? What does he have that's keeping them from doing their magic? And how is he controlling this? And what is going on? And then then throughout the season, you get a lot of, again, the flashbacks and the backstory that tell you the story of what happened in New Orleans, like how the originals built it up. And then why they left and then when they were gone, what else happened that has led to the current like political situation between the vampires, the werewolves, and the the witches and the humans, because they do have to kind of keep that faction happy.
0: Sure, of course. Um, and imagine know, so that there, they can
1: stay undercover.
0: Are there hunters as well? Like we characters?
1: haven't we haven't gotten any hunters in the originals yet, but in the vampire diaries, yes. Okay. We've had a, a storyline where we know that there are hunters, there are only a certain number of them. They can tell, they can spot each other, basically, um, but a vampire can't tell who's a hunter kind of deal. Fair enough. Um, So, yeah, they haven't showed up on the originals yet, but we have seen them in the Vampire Diaries. And, I mean, they're doing a good job of building the overall world and mythology, and I like that there are different types of magic, that there's not just the one, because then it gives you an option to have, like, that you know, like we've seen on the vampire diaries this season, the tension between the witches and the travelers and the types of magic that they do and how they split off from each other and that kind of thing. They're just doing it so much better on the originals. The storytelling is much tighter. It's, Character driven, not plot driven. I mean it's got a good plot, it's got a good arc, and good and you know, good interesting things happen in the story, but it's all character driven. Right. It sounds like know, it's got a lot of characters. Too. Yeah, and the characters that we get um in the originals who were brought over from the vampire diaries are Klaus, uh, the Michelson siblings, Klaus, Elijah, and Rebecca.
0: So these are the people you're talking about that are so old and powerful yeah, that they, they pretty are, much can't die.
1: They call them the originals because they are the first vampires that were okay. ever created. Um, they are the remnants of their family. Some of them have been killed. It's It's nearly impossible to kill them. A couple of them have actually been killed. Um, but the ones that are left, it's like basically you can't.
0: Yeah. So um, the drama is probably more about their hearts breaking than their bodies. Yeah.
1: Well, it's, it's for Klaus, it's like his political drive, his loss of control, you know. Um, so we've got the three of them and Haley, who is a werewolf, um, who was on the Vampire Diaries is now on the originals. We find out about her origins, seeds that were planted on last season of the vampire diaries, her wanting to know her, who her parents are, where she comes from. Um, these are all explored this season in the originals. So she gets a chance to kind of come into her own as a major character. Whereas on the vampire diaries, she was just kind of an ancillary, you know, character who was brought in. Okay. Um, it's, the originals has it all over the vampire diaries this season. Wow. So much better. It's so rare for a spinoff to be
0: better than, do you feel like this is better than any of the episode uh, seasons of vampire diaries?
1: I would say it's right. up, Possibly. Yeah. I mean, and I think part of that is they've, they've gotten so much experience storytelling with the characters. Um, I'd have to kind of go back and rewatch season 3 of The Vampire Diaries and decide if it was better. But the best seasons of The Vampire Diaries have had the most um the most originals in them basically. Right. Like where the Michaelsons were playing key parts in that, that's when The Vampire Diaries was at at its best. And I think taking those characters away has kind of unfortunately revealed some of the weaknesses in the character development that was lacking the last couple seasons with right. other characters on the vampire diaries because they were spending a lot of time on the originals people loved them they were great characters right so much so
0: that maybe the other characters just aren't yeah. as interesting without them
1: eh, quite possibly i think i'm gonna give it another season on the vampire diaries see what happens right. maybe you know every every series has a week season oh sure you know um
0: generally speaking yeah
1: anyway. i mean i the, maybe
0: not like Breaking Bad or The Shield or something, but
1: <laughs> I've I, I bailed on Breaking Bad. I have to. Swear. Oh, yeah. you killed me! I got over almost here. to the end of season two, and I was like, I'm uh, done. Should go back I'm to done.
0: it. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> extra features we have on this one is there's a <laughs> commentary on the pilot from the creators. Uh There's a piece called the Originals Origins. That seems a little.
2: Repetitive there. <laughs> Redundant.
0: Uh, which is more about the birth of the show. There's remixing history, which is the idea of mixing, like how they mixed, like the actual factual history with the fiction they put into it. Uh, there's a panel at Paley Fest. I don't even know where that is. Paley I've Fest? Never heard of it. Never even heard of it. Uh, there's the Comic Con panel. It's a bunch of deleted scenes. And there is a montage of all the stuff that happened with these characters. That was on The Vampire Diaries, basically. Yeah, so yeah. It's like a so if you pre- want to catch up, if you want to know everything that's happened before the show. There's a little like six minute. Okay, here's what here's what you missed. Yeah, previously, previously on, on the <laughs> Originals,
1: <laughs> everything that happened before the originals.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, let's move on to the show that I actually have seen, yes. and I like you know it's so funny. Like I know that this is not Supernatural is not like the best show. Of all the shows that I watch, but it's the one that I can't wait a week to not watch the episodes. It's like fun. when they come out, I watch it right away because it's just, it's that. It's just so much fun. Yeah. It's very, even when it's dark, it's fun. Yeah. You know, I mean, the only time I really like a supernatural episode makes me unhappy is when it's just completely horrible, like some of the season seven episodes.
1: Yeah. There uh, were a few of those.
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing is one through five are so good.
1: Yes. Uh, well, because that's when, Eric Kripke had his plan, the story he wanted to tell. Yeah. And, and, and it they comes were to an end toward that goal. Yeah. yeah. Uh
0: and then six is like treading water. I
1: thought six was pretty good. I, I
0: liked it, but it was treading water. It was like, yeah. where
1: are we going? I'm I, not sure. I was very, very skeptical about season six because season five was supposed to be the end. I right. was like, uh um, new show What are you gonna do with well, this? And we've had yeah. two
0: new showrunners since Eric Kripke left yeah. to do Revolution, which has since been cancelled. Because mm. it sucks. Mm. <laughs> it's a terrible show. I've seen
1: a couple episodes of it. it just I got didn't, nine episodes
0: it, in. And I was like, oh I gosh. can't watch any more of this. This that is was, so bad. That's
1: that, I'm proud of you. Yeah, nine it episodes, was. My goodness, it
0: was tough. <laughs> it was like it was my <sighs> Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> um, but season seven was a huge misstep yeah, that lost a lot of, of people from watching the show. Because, it almost lost me. I mean, they wanted to create a new big bad and a new situation. They brought in. They tried. Thought, oh, let's do something kind of Lovecrafty. Except, it didn't work at all. It was like oh
1: Lovecraft. It, it was, I mean, if that's what they were going for, Lovecraft is like so abstract. Well, the, I, so, yeah, the idea like,
0: that like oh these are creatures from like like the old old gods from another dimension, you know, yeah. that have come back. Except they basically just behave like demons, and yeah. and they do the same things demons do. Except they're like a hundred times more powerful. And yeah. you're like, yawn, whatever. Like let's just go back to what worked. Yeah. And thankfully, after season seven, that's exactly what they did with season eight, where which hit the ground running. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, this is a lot more fun now. And season nine, which has actually kind of gotten things, now that Castiel, the angel, is kind of back to being full-time on the yeah. show. It's like, okay, now I feel like, take a deep breath, we're back to having fun again yeah. on a regular basis.
1: I still felt that season nine was kind of hit or miss, mm-hmm. like, episodically. Like, there were some episodes, I, I, I honestly, when I think back on this season, I'm like, what what happened again? <laughs> Wait, what was going on this well, season? Well, I mean...
0: A lot of it, Uh, like, one of the best things in here, of course, is Crowley this season, played by the wonderful Mark Shepard, who, like, the idea that, like, the brothers, they've they've captured him, and they keep him for so long that he starts, (laughs) he basically, he becomes impotent, like, because of his, like, self-doubt and fear because of that scenario, which has played out to great hilarity. He's
1: the most human person on this show sometimes. Yeah, and
0: now he literally is. He actually becomes addicted to human emotions, and starts injecting himself with human blood yeah. <laughs> so he can feel things. Well,
1: which is a kind of an interesting mirror of Sam's demon blood addiction yeah. earlier in the series. Exactly. Um
0: uh, and now you've got a lot more like this is really the big bads this season. The demons are, of course, they're doing what demons do, but they're like really not the big bads this season. The big bads are the angels. Yeah. Which, you know, God has long since advocated heaven. The angels fell from heaven because of a spell uh that was made that was created at the end of last season. By, uh, the tells his name, uh, Booger from Reve- Return of the Nerds, Revenge yes, of the Nerds, yeah, but, um, the, 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 the angel's name is... The, the,
1: the writer dude. The,
0: uh, why um, can't I remember? This is terrible. I know, it's... <laughs> uh, like, Metatron, said, Metatron, is, Curtis yes. Armstrong.
1: It's, uh, again, like my like, brain is just kind of purging this right. season.
0: It's, he's the least likely big bad because he's such a dork, but he is the most powerful of the angels still surviving, and he's basically the only guy left in heaven who's forming his own club, letting you back in well, loyal like, yeah, angels say, well, to work for him. Part
1: of the reason I think that he's powerful is because he's conniving and and manipulative, right? And he's good at plotting, like, right? You know, that's where he gets a lot of his leverage from. Is you know trying? He's the one. From his perspective, he's the one pulling all the strings. He's the puppet yes. master. He's directing how things are going to go. He's writing the story. They use that metaphor. Well, like, yeah, he, he breaks l- the fourth wall.
0: Literally is a writer um, who wants to write stories. And actually, that ends up being one of the funnier bits they do this season. Yeah. Where Castiel, who, of course, is constantly completely clueless, a uh, Metatron just injects in his head the complete history of pop culture. And so he starts wandering around. He starts with the when he's with the brothers, trying to make clever references to Star Wars and <laughs> stuff. And they're like, "No, seriously, just stop it. That, that was really <laughs> awkward." <laughs> really enjoyed what they did with him this yeah. season. Um, I think that the some of the one off episodes are actually better this season than the running yes. storyline. Yeah. Uh, the the you know we finally Felicia Day comes back and gets to go off on a grand adventure of yeah. her own. You know,
1: everybody loves when when Charlie shows up.
0: Oh yeah, She's... and and then we get to see you know the, the, almost certainly the final appearance of Bobby. Shout out to yeah, her, you, you yeah. know, where it was like, I mean, God, they keep finding excuses to bring him back even though he's been dead for like, two seasons. Come on. <laughs> and you're like,
1: we gotta let go. Yeah,
0: and this this really feels like okay, this is yeah. the one that we say goodbye to him. We'd, but it was nice to see him one more time. You know, I, I will say, I thought. Sometimes the show gets a little too callous with killing off characters, and there's a character death in this one that was very like, now why did you do that? It yeah. didn't even make me sad so much as just irritated. Like, I think
1: I know which one you're yeah, talking
0: yeah, about. Yeah, it was like this character, very likable, like innocent yeah. character, there was no good reason to kill him. Yeah. I was like, nah, okay, probably he's like, he got an offer to be on another show and more of a full-time I, role somewhere. But. I
1: don't know, I, ha- I have no idea. I mean, whether it was something, you know, kind of logistical like that, or whether it was just a writing decision or something. Right. I can't, I, I have no knowledge
0: no, of No, 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 me neither. Just guessing it could be. It's so sudden when it happens in the show. Or they
1: just figured, we haven't done this in a while, we need to
0: but you to know shock people. I will admit that like I mean yeah they are in many ways just going in circles on the show but it's still yeah. fun and that's what's important yes
1: and they've had enough of a balance like i said it was very very hit or miss very up and down but there were enough ups yes that it kind of evens out the downs
0: i, I overall like i didn't think there was a single episode that i really didn't like this season as and like i that's rare like They're... i i think it was season yeah, I think it was season eight that had the reality show episode.
1: The that one, was like the
0: single worst episode of Supernatural ever made. The
1: one for me that didn't <laughs> this season really that didn't clear the bar. I think was the weight loss clinic episode. Okay. I mean, it had its funny bits. But, um, yeah, but yeah. that was kind of like. Ee. And then wasn't this the one where, um, where Dean like kind of gets the mentality of a dog? Yes, didn't that one? Ha- I yeah, think that was I- the
0: season. I loved that episode, and ah, it was so was divisive I was like, for fans.
1: Yeah,
0: you we know, like, he Dean eh. just starts acting like a dog with stuff, and it's yeah. played totally for comedy, and it breaks yeah. the fourth wall too, and it's it's one of those like like most of the fourth wall breaking episodes, you almost have to separate it out from the rest of the show. it's yeah. like we just did this one for shits and grins,
1: and and there are times where I really super love when they do that. Um, my, I think it was the first time that they ever really did anything that funny was the the wish the wishing town episode right right. like i loved that episode (laughs) so much um and and i think that was the yeah i think that was the beginning of them starting to do these kind of one-off crazy yeah just let them go a little comedic but the thing is when you when they do one of those episodes you know the next one's going to be a like is going to blindside you. With
0: yeah. Well, usually, yeah, that's the way they do. They set you up with something light yeah, it's so like, yeah, you're not okay. ready for something horrible that's going to, the they're going to do it for two
1: seasons or so. Yeah. I think season three was when they started doing that because the first two seasons, it's just like, let's just keep pounding the audience. Let's <laughs> yeah, just keep throwing true. dark and horrible things at you. And it's just like, oh, this show is kind of exhausting. <laughs> so,
0: like, throwing some much ne- I mean, it's definitely become more comedic over time. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that was a good decision. And you're, it, I was surprised because I liked this dog episode so much that when other people I kept I kept reading like didn't like it, I was like, oh really? I was just baffled. I was like, I was laughing out loud through the whole thing. You know,
1: I it was one of those ones where I was like. I mean, it wasn't terrible.
0: Right, right. It was, just, was just awkward. But I was kind of like,
1: eh, this is just silly. I can see why this is is it's not just everybody's. too silly. I can see
0: why it wasn't everybody's cup of tea. Uh, but, you know, the, actually, I'm, I'm wrong. There was an episode of the season I did not like. And that was the one that was supposed to be the backdoor pilot for a oh, spin-off show. God, that Supernatural was Bloodlines. Yeah. Which I was like, you know, I mean, I don't, I didn't even think it was awful. I was just like... This isn't good enough to be its own show. Yeah, and you're wasting my time on a supernatural episode. Yeah,
1: again, it was a TV show where they were trying to do that, like you know, different factions of supernatural creatures in the city, like. Uh, And I think they just need
0: to go back and remake Kindred: The Embraced. So
1: yeah, (laughs) but that's what they're doing with the originals. Only they're doing it well, and I think that's part of why they were. I think what happened with Bloodlines was like they looked over at what. The originals were doing this season and said, "Hey, we could do that for Supernatural as well." Huh. And but the problem is, they didn't take existing. Part of it was that they didn't take like existing, ex- established characters that people already right. knew and loved.
0: I mean, what are they going to do? And it was just
1: like, "Oh, here are some new people that we've encountered." It's because
0: Supernatural kills off all their extra characters. So yeah. They're like, "Hey, we haven't used that person for a while. Let's bring him back and kill him." Yeah. That's the Supernatural play. If you if a character you haven't seen in a while comes back there's like a 90% chance they're They're going to die. die. (laughs) Which never doesn't necessarily mean they won't be back anyway after that, but still, usually... Generally speaking, only the big characters die and come back repeatedly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Everybody else just gets killed mercilessly. Or or becomes, like,
0: possessed by evil or possessed by an angel. And then they have to kill them. I mean, this season you get a character possessed by angel and possessed by, like, like the the Dean possessed by the spirit of Cain or whatever. Oh,
1: see, that was one of the aspects that I really liked. And that's what they're parlaying into arc for this coming season.
0: Yes, yes. Um, Like, Dean being kind of out it's, of control with yeah.
1: this,
0: un, you know, the thing that can kill anyone, anything, yeah. you know, even God presumably with the thing. And, uh, and his, the problem is while you got it and you're the only one who can use it, you're embraced by rage completely. Yeah. So Dean's kind of a rage monster. Yeah. He's on PMS. So
1: I'm hoping like, I'm hoping that what happens, cause now we've kind of set up the two brothers, like the good and evil yeah. type thing. Now we've we've got the brothers. Once again, the brothers are at odds, but now it's kind of in this. It's at a slightly different sort of thing. And now that Castiel is back to his like angelness. Yeah, being kind Castiel of thing, like
0: we like Castiel. Like yes,
1: and then we've got Crowley being Crowley. Yeah, so like, like, we like Crowley. oh, so maybe now we're gonna get the Dean and Crowley huh. pair up. Sam and Castiel pair up, and so we've got that, and we can set up kind of an antagonism and, you know, an adversarial relationship, like the demon on one shoulder, the angel on the other. Sure. Literally, one of them has, each of them has one of the brothers. It should be interesting
0: deal. to see what happens with that, yeah. to be sure. I'm
1: looking forward to it. Um, I mean,
0: it's curious, you mentioned earlier before we started, like, how much longer can this show go on? Yeah. What else can they do? I mean, I've heard a lot of people saying, look, they kind of set themselves up where if they don't actually introduce God as a character before the end of this, people will be like, so you just kind of left that open-ended, huh? The whole, yeah. like, God abdicated, nobody knows why, everybody's pissed off about it, and we are never going to discuss it again.
1: Yeah, we, <laughs> they need to do something. They yeah. need to do something.
0: Somebody's, and, and it would be funny if it turns out it was a character that was there the whole time.
1: I <laughs> I think we may have already seen him.
0: Yeah, I suspect you're right on that one, actually. Was, I, I always thought that maybe the, the first prophet of the Lord guy who was the, writing the supernatural books.
1: <laughs> it could be him, or I think it could be the gardener that they come across like in that one episode there's like the the dude in the garden who like knows stuff oh right 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 yeah yeah i but, think i the, see i'm getting goosebumps thinking, uh, about, thinking about it about i'm it. like yeah that's him um, God, i'll bet you, that's more my money is i've
0: also theorized because bets. let's face it uh, uh, the guy who played the dad jeffrey dean what was stanton, it, what? stanton something morgan something like no not i jeffrey can't dean remember his name right. he's, yeah he's the, the dude the guy from, from
1: Watchmen. watchman yeah
0: yep. um He's not doing anything right now, quite frankly, that I'm aware of. Like They gave him a a show that was great, Magic City, that got canceled. So right now, it seems like he's not doing a lot. I'm like, bring him back for the final season as being possessed by Lucifer, who has all dad's memories- but he's also being controlled by Lucifer. So he mm-hmm. can manipulate the but boys. Did, he knows where all the boys' hangouts are, all but the didn't secrets. didn't we already
1: kill Lucifer? Like, yes, didn't but Didn't we already he's Lucifer. take care of that? But he's Lucifer. But but see, but in this mythology, he's just another, just another angel. Well,
0: that we know of. That's what he said. I'm just saying. Can't keep a good Lucifer down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> see, I like that. In mean, the mythology, I like the way that they have kind of the rotating... <laughs> king of hell right. sort of thing. Well, like, even, you know, like, who's the current devil, basically. In Neil
0: Gaiman's uh, Sandman, there's a whole thing where, like, look, there's always devils proclaiming themselves the king of hell, and and Lucifer thinks it's amusing, so he just sits back and lets them do it. He's see, like, oh, whatever, go if ahead. We hadn't, see,
1: the thing is, if we hadn't had him in the storyline so far, right. then I think that would be possible. But I think if they tried to drag him back up again, right. then it's going to be like, oh. Uh,
0: as long as it's not this. the same actor playing him, I think it would it would work. Or maybe it could See, be See, I think other it thing. wouldn't
1: work because of the way that they've set up the like the angels and the and mostly the angels, because he's a fallen angel Ooh, well, as God... like a family. They're what... brothers and sisters. And you know, and he was angry because of family falling out type stuff. And I think it would it would disrupt that. What if it's
0: God and his body?
1: in the body of their father. Yeah. See that's where I was going to go. When you were saying that, I was like That could be interesting. Or it's yeah, or or gods in there and we don't know it. Just yet, yeah, yeah, kind of thing until there's like the reveal, like that kind of deal. Yeah, so, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. This at this point, this show could go pretty much anywhere. I have no idea yeah, where I, they're going to take it.
0: There have been no announcements or any thoughts about even ending it that I've seen. Like, yeah. no, they came to apparently it gets great ratings still. And they're like, yeah. I mean, why should we end it if everybody it's wants to keep popular. doing it? So, um, I don't think they're approaching an end game quite yet, yeah. So I mean, I, I'm feeling the first time we get a down a season that the ratings are down, we'll be like, oh, next season's the last one.
1: Everyone's yeah. like, Ooh. or <laughs> or when when one of the actors is like, I'm done. Yeah, it, like Buffy. Yeah, you know, the only reason that it, ended was because Sarah Michelle Gellar decided she had yeah. enough.
0: Everybody else wanted to keep doing it. Yeah, including Joss Whedon, and she was like, nope, nope, I'm done. I see yeah. bigger and better things in my future. Yeah, I was gonna say, what you oh, what you done lately? Bad.
1: Call. I really liked Ringer. <laughs> I was very I was really sad actually when they cancelled Ringer after yeah. one season. That mm. was fun. It was I mean it was very soapy and fluffy, but it was it was fun. And Fair and seeing her play the two characters and, and she the was also character trying to pass as the other character. On
0: Robin Williams' last project. Uh,
1: oh, that's true. Yeah. She That's
0: played true. Robin Williams' daughter in the yep, show. In the, that, the name I'm forgetting. Yep, the Crazy Ones, I think it the, was called.
1: Yes, in the sitcom.
0: Yep, which was canceled before he died. So yeah. whoever canceled that show, you killed Robin Williams. You son of a bitch.
1: That's Chris's I I, statement. Or, or maybe it was Sarah
0: <laughs> Michelle Gellar. She just drove him up the wall. She, I still blame. I blame her heard... for No More Buffy. I blame I've, her.
1: I've heard. I've heard unkind things about her. I
0: have heard, a like professionally
1: speaking. But
0: that being said, Josh Whedon has stayed friends with her over the years.
1: So, True, but she yeah. hasn't showed up in any of his other projects.
0: Nope, she so... hasn't. I get the feeling she's just happy. She's happier being a wife and Quite doing possibly. her own thing than she I is. I mean, she's got
1: two kids now, yeah, and a wife maybe and a mother. she's just kind of like you know what? She started acting when she was four. Yeah, and time maybe <laughs> maybe she just decided by the time she was like thirty, you know? Yeah. I've had enough of this.
0: Yeah, I can't... You know,
1: and then did a couple more projects and was like, I don't need this anymore. Yeah, maybe so.
0: I also get the feeling, though, that she's rather dismissive of things that have to do with genre. Like, that's just like she thinks she's a better actress than doing genre Well, I think she's
1: also probably wary of the typecasting aspect of of it. Of course. You know, I mean, which can be a blessing or curse. I mean, it can get you a whole lot of work if that's what you do. I mean, like, Felicia Day will probably have every opportunity for the rest of her life to do genre stuff. Yeah. You know, steady work. And yeah. And it, it, if that's what you like doing, but if you're somebody who's like, I I'm tired of this and it's not, I don't find it creatively fulfilling and
0: sure, you do I don't you need a
1: paycheck. Do. I've got plenty of money because if, you know, if they were smart and invested their money, th- they don't need it. And so, she's married to what's his name? Uh, Freddie, Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince
0: Jr. Who Hulk smashed. Yes. Yes.
1: So or tried to smash. So, <sighs> Hey, I mean,
0: But as far as Supernatural goes, uh, if you watch this, this there's a fun little set of extras on here there's some featurettes that explore the men of letters compound which is kind of I
1: love that set I just have to say I love that set. oh
0: it's like the it's like the new library yeah you know yeah it's like oh it's this awesome place with all all the restoration
1: hardware stuff yeah
0: all the books (laughs) of all the magic stuff and like the history of supernatural stuff like oh it's so much fun um that there's three audio commentaries including one for the backdoor pilot of bloodlines that got Mm. canceled immediately because everybody hated it uh there was a a fan uh, contest winner uh, named Gina follows Misha Collins around with a camera all day on the set of su- <laughs> uh, Supernatural, and of course they just uh, play around or goofy with it. There's the uh, San Diego Comic Con Supernatural panel, and of course the gag reel, which is very long and a lot of fun. So really, I actually, you know, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people who stop. It's like, oh, season five was a good place to stop. I'll just stop there. Honestly. You really should go back to it. There's more than enough great stuff that happened post-season five, including where, absolutely where it is right now, that if you enjoyed all those first five seasons, you're going to have a lot of fun continuing to watch. Yeah. So.
1: Recommended.
0: Indeed. So the originals recommended, Supernatural season nine recommended, Vampire Diaries season five
1: recommended. If you've been a fan and and you just kind of want to keep going, yeah, you know.
0: eh. Watch yourself, Vampire Diaries.
1: It's 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 shaky, but you know, like we said, like we said, every every show has that weak season. I've got high hopes for what's coming up.
0: Okay. Well, Kat, thank you so much for joining me on uh, Cat on the CW. Well, thank
1: you for inviting me, Chris. Of
0: course. And now we return you to your regularly scheduled digital noise. Hey, we're back with the second half of this week's uh, Fantastic Fest digital noise. And I say that because we're at Fantastic Fest and we recorded this ahead of time. (laughs) Just so that you guys could have a DM this week. I am here with the famous, the absolutely as expert as anyone I've ever met. And probably you're the world's leading expert on
2: Godzilla, right? Am I now? I know people who are going to uh, take umbrage with that, but well, uh, for my purposes, you're for the your world's purposes, leading expert on on Godzilla, certainly in Austin. Yeah, in Austin, you are the you probably are the greater Texas area, the king of the king of all monsters. <laughs> awesome, I love it. I do have a shirt with that on it, though. Do, do you really? Yeah. Oh, that's that's kind of nice. It
0: it is, and and a little little
2: bit vain. <laughs> well, I didn't make it. <laughs> people yeah, just but, give me stuff, yeah, and did you just... wear it? Uh, sure. Uh, well, I'm not going to deny
0: that. <laughs> That's all right. You're good at what you do. Matt, of course, is an artist on the Godzilla comics. Uh, what's the company again that publishes? IDW Publishing. IDW in the current title that you're
2: doing? Godzilla Rulers of Earth.
0: There you go. So not the other. There's another one, right? Another Godzilla Another comedy? one just
2: recently came out called Godzilla Cataclysm. It's pretty cool. But uh, it's not you. No, it's not me. So fuck that. And in- Let's let's not go there
0: More Godzilla is always good But whenever we talk about giant monsters Or stuff that comes from Japan We like to Pull in Matt or buddy and, and get him to wax poetic
2: on the releases. Oh yes, you're the ones making the requests. <laughs> you're the ones who are incessantly emailing me. <laughs> like, Matt, we want you to come on the show so badly. You're like, didn't you see my last 18 emails about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are we up to? <laughs> how many how many releases have I been have I been screaming at you about for the last month and a half? Yeah, you sent
0: me a link like a couple days ago that I just now saw yeah. uh, of like something I don't even know what it was. It was like, is that Power Rangers? What is it's that? The
2: Japanese. Power Rangers. Okay, see, that still means nothing to me. Oh my to god, me. dude, we gotta watch it. Oh, we gotta watch it, man.
0: You know, I was telling you earlier, a year ago, I never would have imagined that I would have seen like 18 or 19 Godzilla films <laughs> in, in that next year. I was like, what? It's like, it's because I know you, Matt Frank. That's it's, why this has happened. It makes me so happy. I'm
2: spreading the gospel, the good word.
0: And we do indeed have uh, quite a few Godzilla home release titles to talk about, not the least of which is the brand new Godzilla film. I figure we probably end with that one. Yeah, sounds good. Good. Uh, but several of the older titles as well as a spin off trilogy yeah. from one of its villains. But you know what? Let's, uh, I, I don't know
2: which one of these came out first. Uh, of the releases we have here, the first one that came out is Godzilla 2000. Godzilla
0: 2000. So we'll start with. Godzilla 2000, also
2: Godzilla. titled Godzilla Has No Eyes. Godzilla has no eyes. What
0: was up with that? Is this drawn by the guy who did Little Orphan Annie?
2: What's going on? He's just got big whites where his eyes should be. Oh, no, wait, you're thinking of a different one. You're Are thinking you sure? of one that we're getting to. Oh, uh, you're okay. thinking of Johnny Monsters All Attack. Okay, so that's yeah. not this one. I, I get it, them a little bit mixed up still. Too. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, if you don't live and breathe this stuff, sometimes yeah. they do run together a little well, now, bit.
0: This one is uh, the latest this was one of the last ones, I believe, in the constant stream of reminders that aliens are bad.
2: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bold new concept. <laughs> what? Why don't they ever have nice aliens? I don't understand. They have. They're have just them? all in the Ultraman series. Okay, okay. <laughs> but Godzilla only meets the bad ones. Yeah, really. When I think now that I think about it, I think the only the only benevolent alien character was in. Invasion of Astro Monster back in the 1960s, and mm. it was because she fell for the dashing good looks of Nick Adams. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, in all of these ones we're reviewing of the, the older films, Godzilla is very much a bad guy. It, there's no real gray area with Godzilla in these. Like, it, it, he's like, yeah. I mean, in this one, maybe more than the others, he's the lesser of two evils. Mm, yeah. But he's still, like, they're just as freaked out by him as
2: they are by the, the, the alien spaceship that yeah. is tearing shit up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been working on my nutshell reviews, but basically, <laughs> the whole idea is that, in this movie, is that Godzilla is an amoral force of nature. He's, he doesn't care, he's, He's doing something with energy sources in Japan, like just going around destroying them for some nebulous, very metaphorical reason. (laughs) And, uh, and then, and so there's this, there's this team called the Godzilla Prediction Network, who are essentially storm chasers, but for kaiju. And the story's kind of framed around them. And then this other organization, the Crisis Control Institute, finds this giant alien spaceship that they're like, you know, We live in a country where giant monsters are a common thing. Let's poke at this big monster-shaped thing with a stick. (laughs) Uh, So, and at this point, though, at a certain point in the movie, the human characters, and this is something that honestly really rubs me the wrong way with these Godzilla movies, the human characters literally do become completely irrelevant to the plot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's... There are Godzilla movies that don't manage to stop from doing that but this is a common and very stereotypical problem though
0: true um i mean i would even say like you know to some extent that happened in the new one
2: to some extent but at least the human characters as 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 admittedly not as terribly compelling as Aaron taylor johnson was at least he was still doing stuff true
0: and this one they're just i mean there is a, a sequence towards the end where there's like a building that's going to get blown City up. City Tower, the and, most
2: nondescript building in Tokyo. <laughs> and, you know, the
0: one guy from the network is trapped inside, and his yeah. family's outside worried about him. So they're like, okay, so that's going on, even though it has no impact. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, God! Godzilla! It's the Doctor!
2: Godzilla! Godzilla! Godzilla's <laughs> riding in the TARDIS. Um, <laughs> that'd be awesome. I would watch that. Um... <laughs> right? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. It has no
0: impact on... Anything else that's mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, your only interest is, like, okay, so he's a human that we've been following, so I guess we should care whether or not he's saved, as opposed to probably millions of other people who are.
2: Yeah. Know. Well, these characters in this movie are admittedly—I actually kind of like them in concept. I like the idea that it's just this little network of characters, of these, these people who just decided— Oh, you know what? We're going to make our own, you know, the government's not really doing a very good job of of saving us from Godzilla. Let's form our own little network. Use our own resources and just try to predict when Godzilla's going to land and nice work you, if you can get it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's it's and I and I like the relationship between Shinoda, the father, the leader of the network and his daughter who's more or less like kind of taking care of him, you know? She's the one who cooks all the meals and stuff in right. the house. And it's like it's some cute little stuff, but there's not enough of it, you know? And like you said, they, they have this sequence where they're trying to figure out, like, what do the aliens want, you know? What are they here for? And they get this information, this nebulous information, like, oh, I guess they need Godzilla's DNA or something. And they don't do anything with the information. It's just so that the audience can be informed about why the aliens are doing what they're doing, and then we're just letting the monsters fight. And, and it has that thing that I, I I, hate it when this happens in these movies. I mean, as much as I can hate something in a Godzilla movie. <laughs> uh, uh, I call it standing on a roof syndrome, where the human characters are removed from the action. They're standing on a goddamn roof, watching the monsters fight. Right.
0: Uh, uh, you know, and here, like, it's not just Godzilla beating up a UFO that's there for a while. Yeah. UFO's got, like, a wave motion gun or some shit, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that works pretty well against Godzilla <laughs> overall. Yeah. But it, it, after taking its his DNA, it creates its own monster, which seems really an impractical use of resources <laughs> uh, that they call Orga, even though I don't remember anyone else actually calling him Orga in the film. It He's, like that yeah. was an
2: after-the-fact thing. He, he was called Orga just in the promotional material, just okay. so they could... Because in Japan, all monsters have names. Right, right. And right. Uh, uh, they call him Orga because in the Japanese version, Godzilla, the, the special little stem cell or whatever in Godzilla's DNA that allows him to have his healing factor yeah. is called Organizer G1. And so they just truncated it to Orga is this in this loose justification even though in the American version it's called the much more practical regenerator G1 Sure S- Regina? Well, the
0: subtitles <laughs> uh, for this said "Regenerator G1."
2: Yeah, but that's that, that's honestly an error because he's saying mm-hmm. oruganaiza G1." Okay, fair enough, and uh, and yeah, and it's it was all in all the promotional material. And the it's- fight
0: is really kind of creepy, quite frankly, because this thing <laughs> wants to once it's the whole monster, it wants yeah. to keep absorbing bits of Godzilla, and slowly it's like becoming more like Godzilla. Yeah, and which this is kind of cool, where it, like unhinges its jaw Mm -hmm. into this big, like, web thing and starts eating Godzilla, which (laughs) Godzilla, like not good at this, clearly, just <laughs> charges head first into the thing's mouth where it starts trying to bore him. And I was oh. like, ugh, I'm really getting the creeps from watching this.
2: It's, it's, you know, it's funny, I, I showed, I show, uh, my wife and I watched this movie recently because we're, we're, I'm in the process of actually, she, and I, I, this is, I'm like, I'm just thinking to myself, oh my god, I'm so glad I married you because she actually requested, I want to watch all the Godzilla movies because she hasn't seen them all. I can't believe y'all have been dating this long and she's never seen Godzilla I'm amazed that she hasn't smothered me in my sleep. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> hey, you know what? She's still got a lot of Godzilla
0: films to go. So yeah. Give it uh,
2: time. Yeah. But uh, she, she when, when she was watching this and Orga's mouth opened up, she's like, oh, oh, that's disgusting. Oh, 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 I need an adult. Yeah, oh. Yeah, that's it how is, I felt. <laughs> it is really creepy. And there is, a, there is a, a side note I'd like to make with regards to this movie. So I have the manga adaptation of Godzilla 2000. And it's one of the first, like, untranslated Japanese comics I've ever obtained. But it's way better than the movie. Because it follows these lines of logic that you would think would happen. There's a lot more. They actually, when they go back into the building to try to do stuff, the the building where the aliens landed on, it's to save the little girl in the comic. Because she's been taken, kidnapped, captured by the aliens for whatever reason. It's like, oh wow, emotional stakes! And like... And the ending, uh, Godzilla doesn't shove his head in Orga's mouth, Orga uh, leaps at him, and mm-hmm. like, and then as he's absorbing Godzilla, he grows to about seven <laughs> times Godzilla's size, and it's like, wow, this manga's way better than the movie! That does sound better.
0: Yeah. Uh, now, the interesting thing about this one is it comes with two versions of the film. There's yes. the international version, and the English-dubbed version, Yes. and oddly enough, Toho prefers the North American version of this. And Now, I watched the international version, and mm. from what I've read, it's not as good because it's just got way too much filler, it's mm-hmm. too long, the pacing is off, and sure enough, it's boring in that sense. Yeah. Whereas apparently the English version is a lot tighter, a lot faster moving.
2: Yeah, they, sh- they cut about 10-12 uh, minutes out of, the, uh, out of the American version, and they actually... For me, the American version is a bit of a mixed bag because yes, it is tighter paced. It actually has better music. Mm. They got a, a different composer to come in and, and write some pretty good tracks to it. Uh, it's got beefed up sound effects and um, all this other stuff. And the the dub work is cool it is notable because Mike Schlesinger, the um, the guy who adapted the the script and everything uh he specifically wanted to get asian american actors to voice the characters and which is honestly something that doesn't happen a lot in dub films these days and it makes it feel just a little bit more believable the only problem is is that uh he based the script not off of the japanese script or even the direct japanese translation he based it off of another dub that's not on this release uh that um was a cheapy dub commissioned by Toho automatically just so they could have it like locked and loaded ready to go for right. international release and these dubs tend to be really bad and super inaccurate okay <laughs> which is why you have lines like maybe because Godzilla is inside each one of us oh yeah that was a
0: uh, yeah it ends on a really sort of like <laughs> that would have worked if the girl had turned to him and just maybe with him going her going what the fuck are you talking about?
2: <laughs> if they had ended on that note, it would have been the equivalent of, if in Dark Knight Rises, if Batman had actually said, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Um, <laughs> if he had, it, it's just one of those moments where you're like, oh my god, I just have to save the whole movie. God, Godzilla 2000 really is one of those movies that um, a lot of Godzilla fans want to like. Because right. it kind of was this big middle finger to the 1998 movie. And
0: I kind of like... Yeah, I mean, they specifically... It's the first one I remember them specifically mentioning the American Godzilla.
2: Well, not necessarily. Um, Again, that's GMK. Um, oh, fair enough. But they are making a lot of visual references, and... It's kind of clear they're trying to do, like, well, we can do our own Hollywood-style version of Godzilla, even though we don't have the time or budget. Um, so it's like, uh... Try again, guys. I,
0: I do like the way Godzilla looked in this one, though.
2: This is a cool design. Uh, I actually got to see the suit uh, when I went to Japan. It was up in the rafters of the special effects studio that I got to go tour, and... um it's it's it had its legs hacked off so that it could fit up in the rafters, <laughs> but um, it was pretty. Uh, it is a really cool suit and uh, kind of has these big, cute puppy dog eyes, despite the fierce. Yeah, the um, way the mouth shape is makes him look
0: like I'm just perpetually pissed off. <laughs> God. Godzilla PMS all the time. Uh, this comes with bonus features as well. There's mm-hmm. audio commentary with that writer-producer, Michael Schlesinger, as previously mentioned. Yeah. And the editor, Mike Mahoney, and the supervising sound editor, Darren Pascal, as they talk about on the English version of yeah. the film. No audio commentary on the Japanese version. There's about two... 200- and. Yeah, two and a quarter minutes behind the scenes. It's just sort of like a
2: random. Some guy had a camera while they were shooting <laughs> a couple shots. Thing, and then the original trailer. It's actually kind of a bummer. Um, well, as a side note, the commentary track is actually really cool and informative. There's a lot of really good material that they uh, that they uh, get out of. But um, the um, it's actually kind of a bummer. Um, there's no the the actual American theatrical trailer is not on this disc uh and i and i really like that trailer because it's so gratuitous because it just slaps in Rob Zombie's super beast <laughs> and i'm just like this is amazing but if you can track down the original DVD release, it's on that DVD. Yeah. And
0: originally there was supposed to be a direct sequel to this by Michael Schlesinger called Godzilla Reborn. Yeah. That was like, because Toho liked so much what was done with the English version, they were kind of talking to him about actually developing a real sequel yeah. with like a giant lava monster. Oh, yeah. You know, named Meba, And it would have had like the effects by Toho, but like yeah. more of a comedy sense, like the English version. And it, apparently they never got the money for it. So.
2: Well, yeah, the uh, what, what I found most amazing was that that I think it was supposed to be it was supposed to be directed by Joe Dante. Oh. And uh and they had uh, they were they were planning on asking uh, Bruce Campbell to star. Oh my god, can you imagine? It would have been amazing. Oh.
0: Godzilla versus Ash versus
2: the Evil Dead. Let's make make get get a Kickstarter going right now. You see Godzilla being possessed by the Evil Dead. <laughs> <sighs> well, that's kind of what's about what we're about to talk about. It is well, at least the look. What's the next one? Godzilla. Well, Godzilla musura King gudra dai kaiju Soko Geki. <laughs> Uh, that's why I was a virgin until I was
0: 21. I was um, <laughs> going to say, I have even less desire to have sex with you right now. <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> as long as it was there to begin with.
0: <laughs> uh, yes, Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah. Am I saying Ghidorah right? Is that correct? It doesn't matter. Some people have told um, me it's Ghidorah, and I'm like, that doesn't sound
2: right. It's it's Ghidorah, Ghidorah, Ghidra. Okay. It's, it's, there's a couple different ways to pronounce it. It really just per- depends on your on your preference. Also
0: known with a colon, giant monsters all out attack. This may be the longest title title to a Japanese uh, uh, Godzilla film, I believe.
2: Uh, It is actually a throwback to the titles of the 60s, back when they were things like um, uh, Godzilla, Mothra, Ibera, Big Duel in the South Seas, or uh, Three Giant Monsters, Earth's Greatest Battle. And they actually were titled, and that was was intentional. They were like, we want to give it one of these old-style titles that only Japanese people will get. (laughs) So why don't you talk a little bit about the plot to this one? Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> it's so, a little wacky. It's a little wacky, but uh okay, so essentially um a series of natural disasters start peppering the Japanese coast. Um this admiral um uh, Admiral Tachibana is uh, a played by Ryuto Izaki who who is a really great actor. Uh he is basically like Okay, these are all the telltale signs that Godzilla's back. Because in this, in this movie, Godzilla hasn't been around for For, 50 years. This is a direct sequel,
0: really, to the original Godzilla.
2: Yeah, exactly. There's no, this is, this is its own continuity. It's really, it's really, uh, kind of tongue in cheek when it starts out because everyone considers Godzilla to be a joke at this point. It's very much like, no, nobody from the modern generation respects the terror that Godzilla represents. And in a way, it's almost like a comedy when it starts out. It's so, like, wacky and tongue It's kind and of cheap. light
0: in tone, and Godzilla's more like a pop-cultural reference at this point. Because, yeah. hey,
2: Godzilla came up once, and we
0: kicked his fucking ass! <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: That's a good way to put it. But, uh, you know, Admiral Tachibana knows better. As yeah. do everybody who survived the original attack or... or and um, meanwhile, his a daughter, who is um, played by Chiharu Niyama, she is off re- researching the story about these guardian monsters that may, in fact, rise when Godzilla returns. And she finds out that if Godzilla is coming back, it's because he's being driven by the souls of everyone who died in World War II. It's pretty heavy shit. Yeah, like a...
0: I, you know, I mean, obviously that metaphor has always been there to some extent or another, a little bit, but yeah. never so overtly.
2: It's never been this, like, no, this, is, this isn't this is just the nuclear bomb uh, uh, metaphor. This is a metaphor for all the shit that happened in the war, and it's, yeah, it's really pretty heavy stuff. And there's all this stuff about the, the disillusionment of modern Japanese youth, and that's what's triggering both Godzilla and the Guardian monsters, who are, of course uh mothra our yes. favorite flying moth monster um, <laughs> the only flying moth
0: monster unless you count true. all the versions of mothra <laughs> that
2: for some reason are given different names but well, we'll talk we'll about get that well we're today. getting to that trust us folks we're getting to it <laughs> uh king adora who in a in a stri- in a shocking turn of events is playing the hero in this movie yeah, yeah? like the only time ever pretty no, much? Uh, uh, with the exception of mecha king adora but whatever okay. um Uh, and, and, uh, the cute, cuddly Baragon. I love Baragon. Everybody loves Baragon. he didn't
0: get to do anything. (laughs) He got his
2: ass kicked.
0: He's just like, they did everything
2: but add sound effects of him going,
0: Yeah, 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 yeah."
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, also, I believe Baragon in this movie was played, is the the first monster to be played by a female suit actor in the Godzilla series, played by this teeny tiny little thing, and, uh, uh, really, uh, Kind of a great little performance. Uh, And yeah, so basically the stage is set, Godzilla's back, and he's tearing shit up, and uh, shit just got real, and basically the surviving two monsters, Mothra and Ghidorah, are converging on Tokyo. Meanwhile, the human characters are kind of having to wrestle with, well, how are we going to respond to this? How are we going to handle this? And can we even do anything? And the
0: answer is not really.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean if you if you I don't want to give a spoiler away, but if you consider the ending, you know, that there was that one that one pretty good shot. Yeah, well, that's
0: true, I suppose. But yeah, yeah, I I mean mean, like really that's another one of the things, like, much like the scene in the last movie with Godzilla gang basically trying to get eaten by, or, or not, Orga trying to eat Godzilla, yeah. this also has kind of like a, "ooh, I feel icky thing <laughs> towards the end that involves Ooh. the insides of Godzilla. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, God, oh, don't oh. go there. No, oh. why is that happening? And this is the one I was thinking of where he's got no eyes,
2: right? Well, yeah, he's, um... Godzilla has these blank white eyes in the movie. Yeah, like I said, like Little Orphan Annie or something. It was freaking... I kept picturing him like there'd be a, a taller, big, bald Godzilla that's like Daddy Warbucks Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's terrifying. Uh, well, uh, the. <laughs> <laughs> Just, <laughs> Just, Jesus Christ.
0: Japanese, it's a hard knock life for uh, monsters.
1: It's uh, a hard uh, uh,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fighting all kinds of other monsters,
2: <laughs> especially that cute, cuddly dog one. Oh, he's adorable! <laughs> and now he's dead. Um uh, got exploded. Uh, yeah. The that again, uh, playing off the metaphor angle, the idea that Godzilla has this um, these blank white eyes is a. Uh, it's actually a common trope, especially in Japanese comics yeah. and in animation, where. And and even in American comics, like characters like Wolverine and Batman, they won't have any eyes because it's it's intentional to make them look fiercer sure. and less sympathetic. And Godzilla in this movie, the idea was, uh, according to the director uh, Shusuke Kaneko, uh, was he was blinded with rage, and and the uh, metaphorically speaking he can obviously see but it's yeah. just it's it's more it's more just for the effect and i quite like it i think it makes him look terrifying uh, my take on it
0: was i always like when you can't see his eyes because it it gives him the feeling of being more intelligent yeah and here i just felt like he just like even the script had Well, he's just a rage monster at this point, pretty much. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's very much the villain. Oh yeah, <laughs> he know? is the villain he's of this the, movie. Yeah, absolutely. But wow, are the fights really cool? I mm-hmm. mean, well, Baragon kind of gets short shrift to be fair, yeah. which is sad because he's adorable. Yeah. But uh, definitely Mothra and and Gittera. Like, I mean, that the team-up works pretty well. It's one of the best things I've seen with Mothra, because generally with Mothra, I'm like,
2: seriously, Mothra? <laughs> it's, it's like, really? They, they do emphasize her speed in this. That's what yeah. I like, is that she's she's kind of redesigned to look a bit like a wasp, and yeah. I, I like that angle because it's like a, a wasp, because when a wasp is buzzing you, you're, when a moth's buzzing you, are like, whatever. When a wasp is you're like, fuck, shit, shit, shit! <laughs> Very true. Yeah, she's got kind of like a little
0: stinger thing this yeah. time. Uh, as well as, like... You know, Gitter is like, oh, beaten but not out. And like, Mothra is like, hey, watch what I can do. And Gitter is like, "You dun 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 This is that great scene where King Ghidorah climbs up the steps of the Philadelphia Museum, you know, (laughs) know, like, just, like, up at the top, going, (laughs) da-da-da! Climbs to the top of a mountain and goes, (laughs) Godzilla! But, yeah, this is actually one of the most fun of the Godzilla films I've seen, quite frankly.
2: Oh, yeah. It
0: really is, like, uh, it moves a lot faster than a lot of them. The, The actual dialogue between the human
2: characters is a lot, like funnier points. Yeah, it's very witty and kind of sharp. And I, I, anyone who knows me or follows me online knows that this is my favorite Godzilla movie. Oh, wow. Out of all of them, there's some that I might, uh, I think that maybe are a little tighter or maybe a little more, like the, the script is maybe a little bit tighter or maybe whatever. This still this, just, how this one really stands out because it, it it's trying so many new different things or so many fresh spins on old concepts. Yeah. And Godzilla just does... You know, a lot of times they wait too long. Like, why are you waiting so long to use your atomic <laughs>
0: breath? Godzilla's like, ain't holding back for anything. <laughs> this one, he's just spraying the field. <laughs> like, Come on, bitches! I'm Godzilla!
2: You want some of this?
0: I just had albinos. Oh, God!
2: <laughs> it's, it's really one of those... uh it's really one of those uh, well probably one of my favorite uses uh, 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 sorry um animations of the atomic breath because mm. it's this cool like he sucks in all this energy and then it has this big shockwave effect when he blasts it out and it's just a cool animation effect but yeah uh, like I said
0: and it is nice that this one as well like the humans actually are required for the defeat of Godzilla like they yeah. actually have their they're all their their work doesn't come to nothing ultimately. Yeah. This one they are I mean you you care about what's going on with them because they're the ones who are going to have to figure out how to stop this ultimately.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and I like that it's it's never really it, a lot of times if you have a movie like this and there you feel like there needs to be a B plot with the characters as though like they're having some sort of interpersonal problems or something. <laughs> it's there between um uh, Admiral Tachibana and his daughter it's there but it's only really brought up once or twice and it's always just kind of under the surface that they're having this disconnect between her between her being this young, you know, she's very young and she's ambitious and he's kind of this old soldier, almost an old samurai. Right. And uh and it also kind of serves as this nice little metaphor for the older generation of Japan and the younger generation of Japan. Right, right. And it's just uh it's just a God damn it, I love this fucking movie.
0: (laughs) It's also one of the cooler looking Godzillas. I love the kind of neck ridge he's got.
2: Yeah, it's, um... uh, it's uh, actually not oh uh, really yeah that's uh, oh, that, that's, him. Sure. that's oh, him that's that's him he's yeah. still
0: really cool all, you know in all three That's of him these,
2: yeah in all three of yeah. these he's really cool looking yeah this one and this one he actually there he is with that big uh. snarly face and he's he, and there's a lot of great animatronic work going on in the faces like the cheeks even jiggle and stuff and it's and and they really are fantastic. Susan, oh, God damn it! It's just so <laughs> fucking cool!
0: <laughs> so any other notes about the, the production and the making um, of there are worth mentioning before uh,
2: we move on? I could probably talk about this movie for literal hours. There's <laughs> just so many. There's so many great cameos. There's great effects. Um, it's nice that they included the trailer. Honestly, I felt that this movie could have warranted its own separate Blu-ray release. Yeah, I was a really surprised
0: that of the three Godzilla films that were just released in the set, yeah. that... 2000 is the <laughs> one that got the solo the release.
2: Well, that's the one that has, that's the only one that has uh, the American cut is requires a separate track. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. And, and so it's but,
0: basically two movies on that same one anyway. So.
2: Right. And GMK, I, I uh, one thing though, that I will say that I have to dock some points is, um, the subtitles are sometimes pretty inaccurate huh. because, uh, there are a few scenes where characters are saying things like, there's actually, there's actually a really nice little, again, it was, it's all this metaphor thing. Uh, a Chinese person is on the streets of Tokyo shouting encouragement to the, uh, to the soldiers. And in the Japanese version, the actual Japanese version, uh, uh, there's a japanese person with them who says hey he says good luck everyone <laughs> like just kind of this beautiful little moment of like international right. you know brotherhood and uh in the american version and in the subtitles it's just they're just they're just saying like good luck you're all going to die <laughs> and it's like kind of like this Man, fuck you! Yeah, right. Yeah, thanks for helping. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of it's it, I don't know, and and the and the transfer on this Blu-ray is honestly super subpar. I actually have the Japanese Blu-ray because I love this movie so goddamn much, okay. and it's not sway better because just just because sometimes their transfers are a little budgeted. But yeah. this this transfer is like a kind of a low grade DVD transfer, and I think I think a higher grade DVD transfer or an actual Blu-ray transfer... Would have been nice. I don't know. It's it's a nitpicky thing, but they I probably would've...
0: reduced it more than they needed to because of worrying about fitting two movies on the same disc.
2: Or yeah, yeah. or however
0: you want to. I mean, it still it. looked fine ultimately. Yeah,
2: you know, I, mean, I mean, you know, and it's.
0: I think this is one of the most anti-war of the Godzilla films as yeah. well. It's very obviously the director has a very strong pacifist like message throughout this one, and it's interesting in a movie with a bunch of shit blown up. Yeah, how you can have such a strong pacifist message, but it actually gets across,
2: which is of course in a spirit of a honda who was a staunch pacifist there was always a not always but very frequently there were brotherhood of man style themes in the classic godzilla movies that he directed so just a just a, if if you have any interest in Godzilla this is the movie that i usually throw on first if somebody says like hey i i've never really seen very many godzilla movies i want to watch a godzilla movie this is usually the one i go for
0: that's a good starter for godzilla film no question and a finisher for that matter <laughs> uh anyway let's move on to the next film on the same disc which is godzilla against mecha godzilla now this is not the first Mechagodzilla film, despite very confusing titling throughout the <laughs> yeah. series. I think there's, what, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2? Is that a... Se- that's a direct sequel that, to this, right?
2: Uh, uh, no, there's... Okay. <laughs> so there's... Yeah, what's the history? Here? One, two, three, four, five... There's five movies... Five movies with Mechagodzilla in them. There's Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla of 1974. The old, yeah, the old yeah. 70s one. Terror of Mechagodzilla, which is 1975, which is the one with Titanosaurus. Um, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla two, which is from 1993, and uh, we reviewed that on the last yeah. Godzilla. So cast. that
0: came out before this. Yes,
2: and then this, then there's this one, which is a reboot, and then the one after this is Tokyo SOS. Okay, all yeah. right, and Tokyo SOS is the one
0: where basically they're dealing with a mo- monster that wants them to release the bones of godzilla back
2: into yeah, the ocean yeah the mothra fairies come and the tell mothra them fairies, you need yeah. to put godzilla's bones back in the ocean which it's like it's like that's one of the again it's one of the problems with putting godzilla 2000 in its own release because you couldn't put this and tokyo sos together on the same release yeah which would have made a lot more sense oh yeah because really both movies complete each other right yeah. um yeah, and this is,
0: like, I don't know, in the other Mechagodzilla films, is, is Mechagodzilla built around the bones of the original Godzilla? Uh,
2: no, the first Mechagodzilla was just an alien war machine based on Godzilla to take over the Earth. Okay. Uh, the second Mechagodzilla was, uh, a giant, uh, United Nations, uh, uh, Robot created out, out of Mecha King Ghidorah. <laughs> going into that, um, and then this one is the one that is uh, built on the bones of the original Godzilla. And this one. is in
0: continuity with the early stuff, some of the early '70s stuff, but really none of the other ones that came out, not even in the same Millennium series.
2: No, the Millennium series was um, the entire point going in was that they were trying different continuities, basically see what would stick, and uh, yeah, how confusing, and, right? Uh, uh, but i don't know it kind of lets you kind of let you gives you room to breathe and you can try different stuff and i kind of like that this kind of plays um kind of plays claw machine with some of the elements from the classic godzilla stuff like uh it considers the original godzilla the original mothra war of the gargantuas oddly enough and space amoeba, which is a very obscure. I was going to say Toho kaiju film. Never
0: heard of space amoeba.
2: It's a weird yog monster from space is the American title. It's a weird one. Okay. Um, but what's the plot of this one? Uh, basically, uh, Godzilla's back. He starts wrecking shit. Um, <laughs> As you do when you're Godzilla. Like you do uh there is a there's an there is an an established anti monster task force in Japan the anti megalosaurus unit <laughs> take from that what you will uh and uh, there's a, a a young pilot um has this tragic accident where she accidentally gets her whole squad killed and um, so she Goes away. Uh, and uh, she... Well, she gets shutter, shutter, shuttered off to a to a desk job, essentially. Right, right. Uh, Dealing with her own guilt and, and yeah. that everybody hates her. I- exactly. It's yeah. kind of heartbreaking because she's so damn cute. She's what's, adorable. What's her name? Uh, Yumiko Shaku. She's actually one of the biggest stars in Japan, at least in the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, sh- uh, so, meanwhile, the government decides, you know what? We're going to start a new initiative to try to fight Godzilla. Hey, I got an idea. <laughs> You know, we got the bones of the original 1954 Godzilla lying around. they just
0: sitting here taking up space. <laughs> Let's make a robot!
2: And <laughs> It's like, why do we need the bones for the robot? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, the implication is that they're using the spinal fluid to power a DNA-based computer, which actually is a real thing, yeah. uh, to create this bio-robot. Because supposedly, Godzilla's bones are also super strong and super dense because... They have to be to support something that's 300 feet tall. Yeah, fair enough. And they create, not technically Mechagodzilla, his name is Kiryu, which yeah. means steel dragon, I believe. Okay. And Kiryu uh, is this super badass robot. Uh, He does have a lot of options for attack, that's (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Like, he is just built out of backup plans. (laughs) (laughs) It's true! (laughs) That's a good way to put it. (laughs) And so, basically, they deploy Kiryu against Godzilla only... It's a trick with building, a- a- we- a- as we've seen throughout these films, making anything out of Godzilla's DNA is a bad fucking idea. Never quite works out how you'd hope, right? And it's like, God, it's almost like, oh, well, there would be a precedent for it. This wasn't set in its own continuity, yeah. but um, <laughs> it's like, curses! If only we had known what happened to that other universe. Um, <laughs> but basically, here you goes Berserk, and it has this potential to go Berserk and think it's Godzilla. Which, unfortunately, doesn't really amount to much in this movie. No, they
0: shut him down pretty shortly after him going berserk. So yeah. it's just kind of like, oh, well, you know what? We just won't feed off that DNA.
2: We'll throw in some other dna frog dna frog, yeah. this has the ability to change genders oh good lord sorry I'm,
0: I, mean, I remember what happened in that other movie nature <laughs> finds a way
1: oh god no
0: it, i'd be yeah. great if there was a scene with godzilla chasing after a jeep with jeff goldblum oh
1: no
2: <laughs> <laughs> must go faster must, must go, go faster, faster. <laughs> uh we he actually doesn't move very fast guys <laughs> we outran him a while ago <laughs> Any, anyway uh I uh, I mean really this movie does serve as it, it it's it's pretty good. It's a pretty good Godzilla movie. Yeah, I, I
0: actually really enjoyed this. I was a little nervous about it cuz I wasn't that crazy about Tokyo SOS. I was like mm. eh.
2: It's, it's really a, kind of a retread of this movie. Uh, and
0: this is just a lot better. For one thing, I really like that lead actress here. She's oh, yeah. adorable. She's well, she's
2: hot. Mm, yeah. uh, and she's kind of a badass. <laughs> her, her leather jumpsuits aren't hurting, of well, course. Yeah, yeah um, no, they're probably hurting her. They're a little tight. A little, but... you know, how <laughs> standard issue that is. Um, but...
0: but, yeah, the actual fight between Godzilla and Mechagodzilla, you know, the final fight, yeah. is badass. Mm-hmm. And Mechagodzilla is, like, the coolest we've ever seen him in this. Yeah. He's, like, just bristling with attacks. Oh yeah. And when he finally gets to the absolute zero weapon, yeah. it's like you know, it's not even like let's just shoot him from a distance. It's like come here! <laughs> Get over here!
2: <laughs> yeah, that's um, that, there are really some great uh, fun moments in this. It's, it's, it's it's, it doesn't fe- have, it, it still kind of has that we had to get this done in a year feel to it a little yeah. bit, but it's still, it's clear that a lot of time and effort went into like, how are we going to structure this? How are we going to space this out? I just have one huge problem with it. It's okay. really the only thing that keeps me from giving, from putting this movie higher on my list. Um, there's the moment when they have to. Activate Mechagodzilla to go send him to fight Godzilla. And it's the first time they've sent him against Godzilla in the movie. Now, they obviously wanted to write in the scene, okay, here's where Mechagodzilla goes berserk. But he can't go berserk unless Godzilla somehow wakes him up by roaring or whatever and wakes up his genetic memories. So you have a scene where Mechagodzilla unleashes all these missiles and lasers on Godzilla. And in any other movie, Godzilla would have kicked the shit out of him for that. True. But instead, the writers were clearly like, well, we can't figure out how to get Kiryu by himself just so he can have his rampage. So we're literally just going to make Godzilla run away like a bitch. <laughs> and that pisses me off because that's not what Godzilla does. It was just missiles and lasers.
0: Although, uh, uh. Yeah. Look, Mechagodzilla does have a really cool stabbing weapon, which I'm always, like... Why doesn't everyone use stabbing weapons against Godzilla? Because that's the only time Godzilla really gets fucked up, usually, is when yeah. someone's like, hey, check it out, I actually have, like, an axe or some shit. Yeah. And then they, he actually gets fucked up from that. Lasers, any sort of energy thing, or missiles, they don't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> they just yeah.
2: irritate him like ants. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like oh, it's a nice skin ex- exfoliation. Yeah, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, um, I, I
0: see what you mean. It didn't yeah. occur to me to think about when I was watching it, because I was well, really enjoying both Mechagodzilla and watching his career. Creation, watching him tear shit up, and I was enjoying more than almost any of the other films. The human story side of this,
2: yeah, it's it's a uh, again, it, it takes it felt like uh, they kind of took some elements from some of the previous Godzilla movies, like Godzilla two thousand, where you have this relationship with his father and daughter. The father in this movie being the basically the creator of Mecha Godzilla and his daughter, and they really built on it. To, uh, in a in a really mo- somewhat more compelling way. Yeah. Uh it's a little melodramatic in fact it's a lot melodramatic. Sure. but it still feels compelling enough and the character Yumiko Shaku plays is never uh, she's never like too uh, there's a term in Japanese called sundere which means um, Somebody who's a a girl who's, like, super hot, but also super mopey and super negative all the time. And that's what makes her hot. That cracks me up that that has its own term. (laughs) Everything in Japan has its own term, dude. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's, she's never, uh, she's never so maudlin that you dislike her. Right. Because she immediately gravitates towards this little girl and kind of doesn't want her to go down this same self-deprecating path that she's on. And it's just a nice little moment. It's just a nice little touch and i love it <laughs> i love that i love that the daughter is like She's she's yeah. I mean, if I could find some kind of middle ground between her and Eo from Godzilla 2000, I think that would be a wonderful character for a Godzilla movie. Who's not the obnoxious kid from the 70s that we all hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this
0: yeah, this is a lot of fun. And ultimately, I think in terms of a twofer disc they've released so far, this is
2: probably the best of all of them of just pure quality of Godzilla films. Oh yeah, on one thing of those of those two uh, of the Millennium films, these are the the two best. I believe. Fair enough. Um, Even though neither one of these really have anything but the trailer on it. But, so which is a do? bummer because, I mean, I, I, again, I have the Japanese Blu-ray for GMK and there are hours of them building the suits and testing the suits out and molding them and sketching them. Yeah, and that's a shame. It's so cool. And honestly, that's actually a Toho thing. They want their Japanese Blu-rays to be, have more stuff on them yeah. because Japanese Blu-rays cost about 60 bucks as Jesus. opposed to American Blu rays, which are like 20, 30 bucks. So, this is like, I just want to have the movie version. Basically, yeah. And, and essentially, if a Japanese fan wants to import, because Japanese Blu rays are, and American Blu rays are dual compatibility. Right, right. So, a Japanese fan, if, if, it, if they have the same amount of special features that the Japanese Blu rays had, a Japanese fan could just import the American Blu ray for half the cost and not even bother with the Japanese Blu rays, and that's just. You know, that hurts Toho's bottom line.
0: Yep. So anyway, next up, we have something a little bit different,
2: (laughs) a little bit different is putting it kindly.
0: Uh, this is the rebirth of Mothra. Trilogy, woo! Uh, put out on two Blu-ray discs: one with just the original Rebirth of Mothra, the other with the second two. Not that there's that much of a difference in quality between <laughs> the three films.
2: Mothra, come back, Mothra! We need you for two more movies. When
0: people think of the silly Mothra, like that you know, and, and often you do, like the two girls, like oh Mothra singing the Mothra song and all that. This is ground zero for that shit. <laughs> this is Mothra. Like, what was it I said earlier? Filtered? It's like the... Filtered, yeah. Yeah, a dream of a little kid who, in the same night, watched a Godzilla movie and watched a Studio Ghibli film. And somehow they mashed together <laughs> in his head in a very sort of poorly understood childlike way <laughs> and turned into the Rebirth of Mothra series. Like <sighs> I, I think I've put it on Facebook at some point. Rebirth of Mothra be all like,
2: yo, Spielberg, check my shit out. <laughs> Spielberg be all like, yawn. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. I, I mean, with the rebirth of Mothra movies, I find them very light and inoffensive.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. they are what they are. I mean, yeah. this is kitty stuff. Yeah. This is
2: the Land Before Time. Yeah, they're this very, is... they're very uh, much kaiju movies by way of light fantasy. Yeah, and. I almost argue that they kind of have a bit of a of a never-ending story vibe to them in some respects. Well, it borrows
0: heavily from no end of other children's films. All oh, yeah. three of these do. I mean, oh, yeah. like, there's so many... I mean, like, Spielberg films being far from the least of which this has no problem plucking things <laughs> from left and right, just with yeah. much worse special effects and acting. Like you do. Um, like, <laughs> all three of these really focus on the two, the the uh, the Elias, who are the little, two little girls that we yeah. see that summon Mothra, and their third sister, who I guess we've
2: never seen before she now. She was made for these movies, okay. yeah. Belvera. Who,
0: who is their older sister, who is a bitch, and yeah. wants to do evil things because she she's, feels
2: underappreciated in the family structure.
0: I'm not entirely sure why, but she dresses like a little goth
2: fairy. Yeah, she's essentially, uh, she's essentially a Rita Repulsa character, where she just wants to wreck shit yeah. and wants to get monsters to do it for her. Some
0: fairy creatures just want to watch the world burn.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that summarizes her quite well. It's and and again quicks aside i haven't read it but i have seen a lot from the from the manga adaptations of these movies and you really do get the impression that she actually does have an arc the bad fairy where she does feel like there's some drama there so it's like guys you can do this you can make it work well (laughs) but like
0: i said this was not aimed at Adults on any Mm -mm. level. This is aimed at really little kids and it's pure absurdist, (laughs) uh, 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 the absurdism of the whole thing actually makes, makes them kind of watchable. Oh, yeah. You're like, it's just so bizarre, and so little actually makes sense. <laughs> and There's so many weird shit that just happens, and some mm. of it's kind of adorable. Yeah. You know, there's a sequence I actually really enjoyed in the first one where they're, like, uh, the the evil sister rides, uh-huh. like, this dragon, which yeah. is kind of cute. Yeah, it's just and, cute. And, and then the two like good girl sisters ride like a the fairy moth or a little yeah. sort of miniature moth and they have a dog fight inside this, <laughs> these
2: people's house. Yeah. And
0: they're just wrecking the shit out of this <laughs> house and the people in the house are dodging around trying to get away from these <sighs> things and it's actually kind of a fun sequence. It,
2: it, uh, that, when the movie first came out, it really, that was one of the things that a lot of uh, kaiju fans were kind of saying like, yeah, the rest of this is kind of, kind of crappy, but this scene is kind of cool. And that kind scene of fun. was pretty cool. <laughs> kind of has a bit of a gremlins vibe to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's... And this is another,
0: uh, like, they're fighting a version of Ghidorah. It's Ghidorah, which translates as Death Ghidorah. It's
2: supposed to be Death Ghidorah, but yeah. for some reason, they just stuck with Ghidorah because... Well, honestly, that's another mistranslation from the international dub team. Uh, they get monster names wrong a lot. Like, Like, one of the other movies that they dubbed... Um, and again, these are, like, a bunch of British people in Hong Kong doing this for no pay, so they will, for example, uh, well, there's a movie that has Rodan in it, one of the other movies they dubbed, and Rodan's Japanese name is Radon, but his American name is Rodan, but in the um, English dub, they call him Radon, and it's like, come on, guys, and so I honestly think that they probably don't know... They don't actually have any of the the, po- the publicity materials for these movies. They're just going off of basic phonetics from the uh, from the Japanese. They just didn't feel like spending any more money than they had to. Yes, uh, basically. They could, ju- they
0: could be paying you for, like, pennies on the dollar. Shit, yeah, man! <laughs> I've got
2: time to do that. You'd do it just out of love. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Don't Kotoho. get it wrong. Uh, <laughs> hang on, I've got to go spend a few years learning Japanese. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know... I
0: don't think once it builds to
2: the bigger part of this film, it's really all
0: that interesting, per se. I mean, there are yeah. some cool moments here and there. And the, and you're right when you mentioned earlier to me off, off mic that, like, you know, this is, like, you've got the original Mothra here, mm-hmm. but then, like, he dies relatively early on in the film to yeah. be able to support his son so he can become the new super badass now with about a thousand extra abilities lasers. he had before. <laughs> yeah, just shooting lasers and force explosions and all sorts <laughs> of... Which is good because pre- previously Mothra pretty much just... Banged into shit. (laughs) (laughs) Fluttered
2: about. Yeah, fluttered about. Um, Are you a light bulb? (laughs) (laughs) It's funny you should say he because there actually is a point of contention in these movies because Mothra is classically female. Yeah, although the son of Mothra, which they keep referring to, is preferred presumably a (sighs) he. I hate that though because the idea that, like, some people have actually argued that the reason why this new, younger Mothra, Mothra Leo, in this movie is so much more powerful is because he's male. Oh, that's And that's just like, man, fuck off. Well, I thought they
0: actually specifically explained why he's more powerful in here. I know that at one point, well, not specifically, but at one point, the little villainous fairy is like, oh, this one is mutated. Which, yeah. Which is, you know, I mean,
2: that, what does that have to do with gender? It's just <laughs> like, okay, so... Well, like, I mean, she was she she was clearly uh, drawing power from this giant magical tree that came from fucking oh, that, nowhere. That's what it was. They were like yeah. it, it like it regenerated in
0: a forest with like seven thousand year old trees. So yeah. because the, the the age of the earth and the trees
2: there, it gave, made it that much more powerful. That's one of those hippie bullshit it has but nothing a... <laughs> to do with
0: whether or not Mothra has a dick.
2: Which is like, I mean, Mothra is kind of asexual anyway, because it self-reproduces, but being a classically female character is kind of what... It's kind of cool, you know? It, it, It kind of helps make her the antithesis of Godzilla, being this masculine dickhead of a monster right and then mothra being this gentle very much smarter uh and feminine creature it's just uh, that's one of the reasons why i've always liked mothra is because she's such a cool antithesis to godzilla Mm. but yeah i mean this movie like again it has its moments uh the uh the scene where the adult mothra dies spoilers um genuinely a little sad it gets me every time man it's just Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I can't handle these dying bugs. And uh, I, I, But just yeah, seriously, it, it, it's the most emotion you'll wring out of a giant bug that's drowning and its baby caterpillar is crying and nudging its mother to try to get it to fly, get her to fly again. And it's just... Uh. You know,
0: one thing I couldn't help but notice in some of these scenes with the the larvae version of Mothra Leo, it looks like a piece of poop. (laughs) It does. It looks just like a big, crawling, moist, sticky piece of poop. (laughs) I was like, wow, that's. Not good, oh. but it explains something about the Japanese fascination with poop. Oh, like, you yeah, know, a little bit. With that, what is the little character they have that's a poop character? Oh, I know what you're
2: talking about. It's from something. Yeah, who like, was everywhere like ten years ago or something? <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's because they just think poop is cute. I guess oh, I don't sure. know, man. But yeah, it's funny because our friend Brandon Zern likes to point that out every time we talk about Mothra and how the babies are big big swimming turds. Yeah, um. <laughs> pretty much.
0: Well, let's not spend too much time on each one of these. Yeah. But let's move
2: on. Rebirth of Mothra 2. <laughs> the Undersea Battle, or as the subtitles like to call it, Underwater Armageddon. <laughs> right,
0: which is basically like more little kids find another cute creature, in mm-hmm. this case called Gogo, uh, who is ba- who is essentially the furry uh, friendly gremlin from Gremlins.
2: Yeah, it's basically... Um, uh, Oh, shit. What's his I name? I can't remember his name. Gizmo. Gizmo. Yeah.
0: Essentially, he's Gizmo with less facial expression. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And and that there's, like... <laughs> the sea stuff... <laughs> like, there are all these, like, starfishes that are poisoning the sea that are coming from a monster called Dagora. Uh, and... Like, there's, for some reason, there's, like, like the, the lost city of Moo rises from the ocean. Yeah, the city
2: these, of like and Kanai!
0: Where the kids have to, like, go and, like, do a pull of Goonies inside of it. And <laughs> just, like, it's just so bizarre and all over yep. the fucking place.
2: With these two random, like, like uh, 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 they kind of have this Home Alone vibe of these two, like, just assholes that Belvera, like, browbeats into helping her for no good, you have no good goddamn reason to help her. No. And the I actually kind of have a soft spot for this one because it's a little different. It's set in the Okinawan uh, region, which is where Daniel San went to go train. Mm. So it's the southern islands of Japan, where it's all very tropical and it's all coastal. And the main the main little girl character uh, is very clearly um, uh, the pe- <coughs> excuse me the people from the southern islands have a. Have a different complexion from the the northern central Japanese um, islanders, and it's just nice to see uh, to see someone, an, an actress who is from those islands, who is clearly like of that descent uh, from uh, from because uh, Okinawans consider themselves separate from mainland Japanese. Right, right. And it's just kind of nice that like she's almost there representing, you know. And I actually kind of like dagara the uh dagger or whatever dagarla the um the giant sea monster, honestly because he looks like something I would draw because um, uh, <laughs> he's just as he's just this big reptilian thing with all this shit on him, he and he doesn't he's just... ultimately have a lot to do though Nah, he just blows stuff up,
0: yeah, and then it turn goes full hippie at the
2: end i mean <laughs> I am not kidding
0: Mothra <sighs> turns into. Rainbow Mothra.
2: Oh, yes.
0: that's You can't get much more hippie than that. You wouldn't see Godzilla transforming into Rainbow Godzilla, is all I'm saying right now. I would this watch is that. some My Little Pony shit right here, <laughs> is what this is. Which I know you love, so you've probably got no problem with that.
2: Well, no, not really. Although, I am glad that the, uh, the official One of Us net stance on bronies... <laughs> is um yeah whatever you like slowly (laughs) shifting um yeah but i'm not gonna go so
0: far to say we like it but we're like you know what if you like it that's okay
2: yeah yeah i just i just felt the need to address that it made me it made me happy to hear that but um uh but then they take it to the next level and honestly this is where they get to the point where rainbow mothra i'm like okay whatever it's just a color swap (laughs) then they go okay full anime we're doing Aqua Mothra.
0: Well, which you have to at some point, because it's like, at some people writing the script are like, wait, he's fighting a sea monster. Mothra can't do shit under the water. Yep. What are we going to do? Eh, scratch that out, and now he's going to turn to Aqua Mothra. Fuck
2: <laughs> it, why not? Big fish, bur- uh, uh, fish moth, ma- fish bug. Yeah, that's a thing, right? <laughs> oh, uh, sure. Um, <laughs> it's, I, I, I have a little figure of Aquamothra and a little figure of Dagara, and they're actually two of my favorite figures because Aquamothra is just so goddamn absurd that I kind of love it. Especially, I just love the look of it. It looks like a big fish, but it's a moth. (laughs) I don't know. know.
0: Anyway, this is it's it's much like the first one in the sense it's just madcap stuff for little kids that involves kaiju that is... If you like kaiju stuff, these are actually worth watching in a sort of let's get stoned and watch them, the <laughs> I yeah. mean, they move pretty quickly, I'll yeah. say that, and from one totally nonsensical <laughs> sequence to another.
2: <laughs> now, I did not get a chance
0: to watch the third one, so I are going to have to
2: say what this is about. So that's actually a shame, because a lot of people consider this one to be the best of the oh, three. Okay. It's not... Especially good, uh, but it has... It, this is when they actually changed special effects directors. It didn't have to be that good to be the best of the three. No. <laughs> uh, this one, uh, uh, they Koichi Sakamoto was a special effects director on both the previous Mothra movies and all of the previous um, seven Godzilla movies, mm. Uh and he really hit his stride on the first one he did because the subsequent Godzilla movies and the Mothra movies are just like lasers! Lasers! We gotta get more lasers! And it's like, you know... So, they changed over to um, I believe Kenji Suzuki for the effects on this one, and as a result the effects are actually a little more subdued. Okay, uh, Mothra doesn't have nearly as many lasers yeah, because he um, was just
0: bristling with lasers yeah, before. They were just all over the goddamn place.
2: It, it's, really, uh, it's really kind of a breath of fresh air, and she looks better in this movie. I'm, I'm still going to call her she. Uh, she <laughs> looks better in this movie, too, because she's a little more insectoid and a little more articulation. Hmm. And this is widely regarded as the best incarnation of King Ghidorah because he's just, he's just huge and terrifying, and he's got this wicked, evil look on his face, and... He actually has a power where he, in the movie, uh, he overpowers one of the fairies and turns her, turns one of the good fairies evil. And then the other two fairies have to, to, well, actually, um, the bad fairy, Belvera, and this, uh, the other fairy who's turned evil by Ghidorah, they, like, have a fight and, and the bad fairy has to become good in order to, Essentially, King Ghidorah returns, and in this movie, Ghidorah is the destroyer of worlds. He's the apocalypse that essentially Nostradamus predicted, and this movie's set in 1999, and... We all know that happened. Yes. <laughs> you can could, you could find it on the internet. Uh, uh, and essentially, there's this whole plot running plot thread about how Ghidorah was what killed the dinosaurs, which a lot of Godzilla fans now take as canon, because it just kind of makes sense in this broader universe kind of way. But, uh, <laughs> and then they decide Mothra can't defeat King Ghidorah uh, by by herself. Um, so... The surviving, quote-unquote, uh, fairy, who's not uh, 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 Elias, who, who hasn't been taken over by Ghidorah or trapped, as, as the other two have, uh, she says, okay... We're going to send Mothra back in time. Oh, that, you know, that seems to be the logical it's Occam's Razor solution <laughs> to the problem. You know, it's not like there's a giant lizard swimming around out there who's done this before. Uh, and, well, Godzilla doesn't exist in these movies, though. So, uh, sh- she... Where are
0: we going, Mothra?
2: Where we're going, we won't need
0: roads. <laughs> but you're Mothra. You don't need roads anyway. Shut up.
2: <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I, didn't tell, I didn't say you could speak. Uh, don't never, look at me. Never interrupt me when I'm quoting my favorite movie. <laughs> So so there's this other plot throw with this, with this dumb uh, teenage boy who literally does nothing other than allows him to bounce exposition off of him, even though he also kind of has this Goonies thing going on. Uh, and, okay, so basically, i got to backtrack a little bit. <laughs> this shit's so weird. So Ghidorah came to Earth and killed the dinosaurs 65 million years ago because dinosaurs were rich with energy, which rich with life energy. So he just ate all the dinosaurs. Essentially. He ate all the dinosaurs. And according to this movie, literally, uh, and, um, so we came back in the present day. And the only thing that has the same amount of life energy that the dinosaurs did are children, uh, specifically, not kaiju? <laughs> no, not kaiju, and, and uh, specifically Japanese children. <laughs> okay, well... So, like you do. Yeah. So... So, so much life energy in Japanese just children. Is that racist? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one with a ten-foot pole. Uh, he, he collects all these children. He teleports all these children away to this giant bubble dome in the middle of the Fuji forest and prepares to start sucking the life out of them. Mothra comes, gets her ass kicked, so then the uh, one fairy, the older fairy, uh, decides, well, I'm going to use whatever power I have to send Mothra back in time like I do. Huh. And thus we begin this whole sequence where Mothra is in prehistoric, on prehistoric Earth, and there's dinosaurs... They're all little puppets. Like little tiny puppets. And it looks like something out of a Sid and Marty Croft show. Oh, see now I want to see it. Oh God, you gotta watch it. It just if nothing else, just for these scenes where the 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 Ghidorah, the young Ghidorah, who looks a little bit different, um, is eating a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And then Mothra comes in and basically saves the T-Rex, more or less, even though Ghidorah kind of throws the T-Rex off screen. But thinking,
0: Mothra is going back in time to stop a young Ghidorah. Shouldn't, when it goes back to present time, there are dinosaurs fucking everywhere? <laughs> That's what... <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, they get out of that one, trust okay, me, in right. in a really tight and well-written way, which is a piece of Ghidorah was left on Earth, and it regenerated into a new Ghidorah, and it just killed the dinosaurs anyway. Uh, okay, fair enough. Sure, that could happen. <laughs> and so, so... You can't keep uh, a good Ghidorah down. Uh, evidently. So the the big hook of the movie is um, because Mothra is now trapped in the past, she's basically been beaten to death by Ghidorah, even though she did manage to defeat him. All of these, this is a cool moment that, like, they don't elaborate on. I kind of like that they don't elaborate on it. These prehistoric Mothras then show up. These big, spiny, ankylosaurus-looking caterpillars. (laughs) And they spray silk over Mothra, cocoon her for 65 million years. (laughs) And then, present day, when Ghidorah returns, because he just pops back into being, he goes away, and then he pops back into being. It's very weird. Um, uh, my bra- you
0: know, time travel movies can be a little brain bendy to, and hurdy to. Oh, with, absolutely. This one, it doesn't seem like it was even making a concession towards Mm-mm. any sort of. Fuck your
2: logic. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so essentially, uh, uh, then the cocoon comes out of a mountainside and out pops armored Mothra. Ah, uh, see, that's kind of cool. She has razor blades for wings. And then she tries to take off and can't just get stomped Because <laughs> she's made of <laughs> metal. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, she defeats Ghidorah by cutting his wings off, and um, which is pretty That's cool. Just mean, man. yeah, man. They, they, uh, that Mothra's gonna grow up to be a serial killer. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's <laughs> like it's like the reverse of kids who pull the wings off of insects, exactly. and it's like, are oh, you like this, bitch? No <laughs> 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 <Yeah, the> Mothra. <laughs> oh, but yeah. So I recommend it, if only because it's just there's some really fun visuals, like the dinosaurs, these little puppet Sid and Marty Croft dinosaurs, and. Armored Mothra is just ludicrously stupid it but seems like wonderful.
0: All three of these, they move fast, yeah. they're filled with bizarre, colorful, absurd imagery and storyline elements. This is a stoner package of kaiju if there ever <laughs> was one.
2: It's also really like we talked about, it's really good for kids, yeah. you know. I really kind of want to show my uh I have all these little nieces and nephews that Uh, I keep in a basement, no, that I, (laughs) that I, uh, that I, I, every time we have a a Thanksgiving uh, get-together, I always get, all the kids get pawned off on me, (laughs) because I'm, I'm me, and I always have a few kaiju movies in my back pocket, Uh, so I really want to show all my little nieces and nephews these movies. They'll probably probably like these, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, we're going to finish up with the, the title I Threatened We Would Before. That is the new version of Godzilla.
2: There's a new Godzilla?
0: Shush. <laughs> you've only seen it seven times. Uh, you know, seven well, times in the theater. Seven times in the theater. Did you watch it again all the way through here on this new Blu-ray release? I haven't had time, to be honest. Right, I would have if I had this time. I know you watched parts of it, because you yeah. were concerned about what some people were t- talking about, uh, the transfer not being so great. Yeah. This is, of course, directed by Gareth Edwards, who uh-huh. hit the indie scene with this film Monsters, which was sort of like a you know a giant monster film from the viewpoint of people with a sort of like, I don't know, closer to Cloverfield than anything else, probably. Yeah, but- it,
2: it, it's clear that from both Monsters and Godzilla, Gareth Edwards has a lot of proclivity towards, the word I want to use, eh, proclivity towards, um, towards the effect that monster stuff has on people and how people react to that. Mm. Um, and with monsters, yeah, I mean, it was definitely like ground level view. Like this is just, yeah, Cloverfield is a good, is a good example. And I, I love, I love that. I love seeing a different take. Having watched these movies my entire life, Mm. I like seeing new perspectives on this stuff. Um, and now, I don't want to go too much in the plot in this one, because on yeah. this site, we've
0: already done a full review for it. <laughs> we did a hour-long uh, film fracas between you and Martin on the <laughs> oh, film. Boy. So there's no need to talk about too much. About In fact, let, let's face it, if you've gotten this far through this podcast, you've seen Godzilla yeah. already. Uh,
2: at so least seven times. Largely, um, <laughs>
0: we're here at this point to talk about the Blu-ray release of this
2: film. Which I do have a lot to say about. Well, mm-hmm. get started. Well, I mean, uh, okay, so... As I said before, oh, uh, well, sorry. As as Chris said before, there has been a lot of hullabaloo, uh, especially amongst Godzilla fans, and even in some of the uh, broader DVD review markets, uh, that the transfer on this is pretty dark. Now, uh, I got a hold of it uh, the other day, and I watched it. Now, the Blu-ray is dark, but not super dark. It didn't. It doesn't make it unwatchable, but. The fact that there are so many people who really do have a problem with it means there's a problem. And I don't... But, but here, here's the kicker. I don't think people would say it's as dark as it is if the same scenes on the special features didn't look fucking spectacular. Mm. Like, you can see every little detail of Godzilla's scales. You can see all of these cool details on the Mudos. Uh, just... Rich, a sumptuous visual feast, and yeah, the Blu-ray compared to that is yeah, it's a little on the dark side. I'm just wondering, like, you didn't have to do that, guys. I- I'm wondering if they culled from two different sources, you know, like if if the if the special features were were taken from some kind of were, were kind of being produced in tandem and taken from some kind of master file, hmm. and then because I remember the movie in the theater, the movie being pretty dark. Yeah, so. I don't know. I mean, again, maybe just turn your brightness up on your screen. That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) But, uh, again, just, just, I mean, like you said, we're not going to focus too much on the movie because we've all talked about the movie. I love it uh it's mixed across the board for a lot of people you know and it's funny every person every single person i talk to has a really different reaction to this film oh
0: yeah yeah, yeah. i noticed that too like yeah. a strikingly different i mean that's yeah. one of the reasons it inspired me to do the film fracas with you too because i was like i've heard so many different opinions on yeah. this it's i'm even unclear how to feel about it after having seen it oh you know? yeah Um, Now, I will say, as far as audio quality, apparently it's fantastic. It's a 7-1 lossless soundtrack, which is, if you're watching a a super big-budget Godzilla film, you want it to be frightening in an audio sense.
2: Oh, yeah. It needs to just really jump out of the microphones at you. And and the sound mix on this film, uh, those are honestly some of the most interesting parts of the special features, which we'll get to in a minute, uh, are some of the sound mixing sessions where they have things like... um, uh they they actually went out to the Warner Brothers studio lot, which I got to go to the other day and um uh, i know people and uh <laughs> lot uh, dropper <laughs> <laughs> but anyway uh th- there is there's a uh, they went out there, they set up this giant speaker system, and they blasted Godzilla's roar throughout the studio lot. Oh, Lord. And I'm just thinking to myself, how many people were shitting their pants <laughs> when that happened? What the fuck? <laughs> Jesus! I thought, did they make Godzilla? Did they literally just make a full size Godzilla? 70 like, year old Asian janitor was like, I knew this day would come. <laughs> <laughs> I could make a seppuku joke, but that would be tasteless. Um, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I mean the 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 video transfer is if you have if you have a tolerance for it being a little bit dark, I think it's okay. It could be a lot better and it honestly should be better given that this is such a big release. Um I'm super bummed that I guess people don't do cool interactive menus anymore. Yeah. Like sometimes they do. It just sounds like this isn't one of them. It's it's just It's just, it's just an image, it's a stark image of Godzilla, the title, and then these very generic symbols representing play movie chapter breaks with a little box that has one, two, three on it, and it's just, it's just like, I'm just thinking to myself, like, the original DVD release of Godzilla 2000, the American DVD release of this, you know, footnote in the Godzilla franchise had this cool menu where every time you would select something, it was a it was a it was a glowing billboard on the side of a building in the city being destroyed by Godzilla. And when you would select it, a missile would fly off screen and wow. make it explode. That's awesome. It's like what a cool little thing and with this they could have done all this stuff for like oh you go into dr sarazawa's computer and that's where all the special features are and stuff but it's just they're because... always just trying to save money these
0: days you know yeah. skimping under the home releases every way they can because more and more people are becoming disinterested in owning the home releases of stuff unfortunately like with the the advent of digital everyone's like eh, hey, i'll just watch it on netflix or do a three dollar download somewhere yeah i don't want to spend 16 bucks to own it, so...
2: Which you would think you would think there would be... Which is why I'm holding out hope. I mean, I'm not super hopeful because I don't think it's going to happen, but there are rumors that there might be an extended release or, or, a, or a deluxe edition oh, okay. put out. Because, here's the thing. Uh, a lot of people were actually super, super, super bummed with this DVD, with this Blu-ray release, because a lot of stuff... It, it is, on record, a lot of stuff was cut out of the movie. Right. Including the scene with the original star of Gojira, Akira Takarada. He has a scene in the Honolulu airport that the whole staff was super excited about. Gareth Edwards was all like starstruck when this happened and they cut him out of the final movie was not, I I actually know somebody who, uh, who was like there the day that Gareth had to go up to Takarada and tell him he had to, Gareth Edwards had to tell Akira Takarada on the red carpet by the way, your scene was cut. Oh, no. And it's just heartbreaking because everybody knows that Derek Edwards is a big Godzilla fan, and the fact that he had to, like, do that from... Stu- and, I mean, like, there- and there's apparently a bunch of other stuff that was cut. A bunch of scenes with Brian Cranston were cut, and, like... It- this movie definitely needed more Brian Cranston. <laughs> just a little bit. It kind of gives the impression that... And this is, of course, all, like, focus testing bullshit. And it kind of gives you the impression that that there was all this human stuff, all this more human drama, and probably potentially even stuff that even made the human drama more compelling, which was a big complaint for a lot of people. And and it kind of gives the impression that the studio said, like, well, we can't put more Godzilla into it because we spent, like, $150 million on the stuff we did, so we're just going to cut as many human scenes as we can, give this truncated, kind of stunted story... So we can try and get to the monster stuff as fast as we can. And I think that's probably one of the... Uh, again, this stuff doesn't really bother me when I'm watching the movie. But if I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, what are we missing? Could could this movie have lived up to a higher potential? Right. And but, yes, I think it could have. I
0: think even watching it, reviewing it initially, I was like, it just feels like there's stuff that's missing here. Mm-hmm. And
2: apparently there was. But well, let's talk about the bonus features yeah. on here. This, these are actually pretty neat. I... I uh, you have your you have your little featurettes like your Godzilla force of nature featurette which is pretty cool where they talk about like here's how we made god the new godzilla and here's like you have all these test this test footage of like these close-ups of godzilla's face and or him like just these big glamour shots of him walking and stuff and it's really cool to see and how he how he sits compared to different buildings that's really fun the whole new level of the destruction featurette which is uh how they superimposed, um, how they, how they not, not just the digital effects of like taking Hawaiian skylines or San Francisco skylines and like crumbling them up and, and tearing apart, which is a lot of what Gareth Edwards did in monsters was a lot of paint over. And, uh, it also talks about all of the sets that they built, like these full size sets of like the Mudo nest, which was one full set, the, uh, giant Godzilla fossil scene. That was one big set, Hmm. uh, I mean, obviously, with some digital, some digital overlays, but uh, it's that, that's that's pretty neat. That's pretty neat if you're an effects buff. Yeah. Uh, the the Halo jump, eh, it's all right. The Halo jump sequence, right, uh, which I
0: thought was not as big a deal as everybody seemed to be making it to be. I was like,
2: eh? Yeah. So. I mean, it's cool, but after you see it in that first trailer, eh. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, then there's a then there's one about the mudos, which is kind of cool. It Shows you some concepts for the. They're for the pretty mudos. cool looking creatures. So. Yeah, you know, I mean, they're a little derivative, but yeah. whatever. They they serve their purpose, and they they are kind of cool. Uh, and that that's also really fun. The coolest thing though is the. Uh, the Monarch declassified files. Okay, what is that? If this is an this is kind of a meta narrative going on that they've been building since they started promoting the film, which is essentially this whole conspiracy theory, alternative history of how um, Godzilla's kind of always been around, and uh, the, the the there are three um, there are three features. There's Operation Lucky Dragon, which is honestly kind of a kind of a tasteless name. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Uh, References a real event, but uh, it's a kind of a, of a vintage documentary, um, fake vintage, fake vintage documentary, all about uh, the uh, United States government and this, and the government coalition coming together to form Monarch, because what happened was when the first nuclear subs went down into the depths of the ocean, their, their radioactive cores woke Godzilla up. Right. Right. and, uh, he started apparently destroying different ships and this is a
0: the, basically an extended look at what we actually see in the film of mm-hmm. little bits of footage of like okay
2: Godzilla was here before yeah and it sucked and here's, <laughs> here's what we did about it right so they set up they set us set themselves up the bomb and um, I don't even know what that reference is and uh, <laughs> they set up the bomb and they tried to kill Godzilla but of course the end of the the end of it is saying like but the, the target is still out there yeah and uh, the uh, the second file is Monarch, the MUTO file, which is a, it's kind of almost like a recruitment film. It's essentially talking about how uh, this is your, mo- it's kind of like if you go work at a, at a uh, uh, like if you go work at a part-time job at Harmark or something and they make you sit down and watch this introductory video. That's essentially what it is. Only for a super secret multinational government organization that searches for monsters. And it's kind of talking about like, the the interceding years between 1954 when they tried to kill Godzilla and the discovery of the mudos and kind of like filling in those gaps a little bit about how like well we've created this safety net to try to to try to contain whatever it is that's feeding on this reactor yada 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 That's kind of neat that's kind of cool and then the i think i think one of the, the the better ones is the Godzilla revelation which is a it is a a it, it gets it gives you the impression that it's some guy on youtube Cut a bunch of footage together, right? And is like this total conspiracy theorist who's all like, like, what do we know about? And and technically, this video takes place after the events of the movie because it's talking about. It's basically talking about how, like, for the sake of everyone who died when these monsters were fighting, we have the right to know, like, whether or not Monarch is hiding other monsters out there hmm. and stuff. And it's kind of like kind of gets you pumped a little bit, like, oh, man, I wonder if this is going to feed into the sequel, you know? Like, if they're going to keep this whole, like... Which they're definitely making, apparently. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Let them fight. Um, let them fight.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when they fight. announced that it was going to have Rodan, Mothra, and Ghidorah, I could... <laughs> feel the vibrations coming <laughs> off of Matt Frank from miles away. <laughs> I feel a strange disturbance in the Matt Frank.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. Anyway. Um, uh, anyway, uh, I, I would not doubt that Rodan and Mothra are probably going to be the focus of the, sec- of the second movie and then Ghidorah is going to be held so over for the, the third, third one. Because
0: they did insinuate after the fact, okay, I, we didn't necessarily mean all in the same film.
2: Yeah, it, it, they basically just said, we're making two more movies and we have the rights to Rodan, Mothra, and Ghidorah. Right. So, yeah. So, see what happens. Yeah. Basically. And also, the Smog Monster, which is what the next five movies are gonna be about.
0: Oh, I would <laughs> so watch it. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Matt, for coming on and doing all this with us yet
2: again. I'm uh, always a pleasure. Always uh, a pleasure.
0: And I think we can say that if we've learned anything from reviewing all these movies, that there's a little Godzilla inside of all of us.
2: That's why he keeps blowing everything up around us. No, that's, I guess that wouldn't be true then. No, I guess yeah, not. because I don't do that. You don't. I, I don't. Yeah. Well, I well, there was that time in Reno. But uh, yeah, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> we don't that. talk about that anymore. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Acquitted. Anyway, thank <laughs> you for joining us this week on Digital Noise. We'll be back next week with a more regular format. It'll be me and Richard reviewing the latest movies that are coming out, and some that are probably about two weeks old, because, <laughs> hey, Fantastic Fest, what are you going to do? Uh Please, uh, there's no giveaway this week because we just didn't have time to put it together. But please follow us on Twitter at oneofus.net. You can follow me at Twitter at ChrisCoxCritic. You can follow Matt on Twitter at spankzilla (laughs) 85 Oh, that makes me happy. I know. Uh, (laughs) uh, And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Push the button, Frank. I'm pushing the button, (laughs) Matt Frank. (laughs)